Hello out there and welcome to the Fantasy World Order Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I am Pat Donovan and we've got the whole gang here. The Dark Lord is back. Nick, boys are back on? in town. Boys are back in town. And Joe Saunders with the Christmas crackers. That's me sipping my juice box. Not obnoxious at all. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we've got the outfield part one preview tonight, but we're going to kick it off with just a little bit of news. Big news this week. Francisco Lindor has a calf strain, expected to miss. Um, Seven to nine weeks was the initial time frame, which would put him out somewhere between two to three weeks of the regular season. What does this do for Lindor's value? Nick, I'm going to let you kick it off because I know you have shares. Yeah, and I mean, you guys know I was the, I was definitely the high guy on Lindor last year too. So um, this is coming from a Lindor lover, but he definitely gets a big bump for me, um, just because for a couple of reasons. One, I I absolutely hate when people miss full spring training. You know, it's a time to get the rust off, um, to get back in the swing of things, um, to see live pitching. And he's going to be starting from scratch when the season starts. So he's already behind the eight ball. That I don't like. The calf, though. All right. So what you're seeing everywhere is the comp to Josh Donaldson. I don't think it's really fair. Because, I don't think that's fair either. Yeah, it's not. Because he's the poster boy now for it just because he's been hampered by it so much. And he's a, he's a marquee player. But he's also 30, what, 35, 36 years old now? No, he's not that old. He's like 32, 33. Wow, Donaldson? Really? Yeah. Wow, that's surprising. Um, but, but I, you know, he also suffered a lot of other injuries as well. So I don't know. Bottom line is this, do I think it's going to affect his speed? I, I think it might. Um, and it's enough to push him down for me to over like where I had him at like overall four, I probably would start looking at him at overall 12. 12. Okay. So that's still in front of where, um, he's going. I think NFBC is ADP right now is something like fourteen or fifteen, so you're still you're still in front of them. Only because I have a lot of those pitchers that they have in the top twelve. Well, not a lot. There's only like two, but I don't have Sale in my top twelve, um, and I I don't have Trey Trey Turner in my top twelve. Uh, okay, so he's like your twelfth hitter. He, you know what? He might he might be he might be thirteen he might be thirteen or fourteen because Goldie I have Goldie in front of him. I, I'd have to really look at it, but. He moves about. He moves about ten spots. Joe, that's that ADP data is what like the last week. Uh, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it up the actual number. Okay. And Donaldson is thirty three right He's now. He's thirty three. Yeah. Um. Yeah. My take on Lindor is my initial reaction was to move him down quite a bit. I, I saw a lot of reactions, including from somebody on this show. Yep. That you shouldn't overreact. Um. But Listen, there are a couple of things here. You know, you've got, you got to take him down 8 to 10% based upon the time he's projected to miss. Then you've got to consider the fact that the calf injury is one that might hamper or limit his ability to run, even if he's healthy. The team might be hesitant to let him run. Lindor himself might be hesitant to trust the injury to run. So I think you need to dock him some additional steals. And then – on top of that, as Nick mentioned, it's not only just the reoccurrence of the injury or the chance of reoccurrence, but he's also going to miss the entire offseason program. And, you know, some guys come in and it's, you know, it's fine. They, they miss the spring training. It's not a big deal. But there are 
guys out there that get affected by that. We don't know how Lindor is going to react to that. Um, so, I mean, that creates a little bit of uncertainty as well. So I have him in, in a 12-team format. I've got him in the middle of the second round at this point. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I was the one that said that I wasn't too worried. I did a little bit of a deeper dive, um, cut, cut his playing time by 10%, and then I came up with, I think he's just like you said, smack in the middle of the, the second round. Um, just just an update on the ADP. So the last week, NFBC ADP is 11. The high was 21. The low was still four. Hmm. Yeah, and there's a chance that might be, that four might be before the announcement yeah. of the injury. Yeah, so, I mean, let me go. Uh, but, we, but we all still don't mind if he like if he's if we're in a draft and he's taken in the first round like at the end we're like okay that's cool yeah like, i mean i can i can see a scenario where you're taking him late in the first round because you want to take the shot that you can get last year's sort of pace mm-hmm. um i don't mind that and i think this is one of those situations where you need to be flexible right like we're we're now looking at this seven to nine weeks out so this situation could change dramatically between now and the time when most drafts go off and that could be for better or for worse so you kind of have to look at this ranking as sort of a flexible thing until we get more information and get closer but if you're drafting tomorrow i think he's somewhere around 18 to 20 in my mind and And i personally wouldn't take him inside the first and 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 the initial time frame is is long i mean that's the biggest question to me right like so when he the, if at nine weeks, is it only going to be a week and he's playing, or is it going to be he's starting baseball activities in three weeks and he's playing? Yeah, right? and that's, that's the biggest question to me. And then it's that's it's if it's a successful rehab, if he has any setback whatsoever, it's already nine weeks, which is that's a long time. Sure. Now there there's the other part too, where is it only is it nine weeks because it's it's the preseason, right? If this was in the middle of the season, would he be on a fifteen day DL and then back at it? Right, like I, I, I don't. We don't know enough information. Yeah. Well, to me, the fact that it's nine weeks indicates to me that it's that it is a severe calf strain. Sure. Yeah. You know, so I, to me, that's that's what's alarming about it more so than anything is. It's you're talking about a two month plus injury. Yeah. Now maybe they're being overly cautious with it, but even if it was four to five weeks you would still feel a little uneasy about it because it is a soft tissue injury. But, not but the any, fact that it's yeah. so long yeah, it's a long, is long. indicates to me that that this was like, you know, I forget what the grades are. I think grade one is the highest. This strikes me as a grade one. Um, and if it's grade one isn't the highest, whatever the highest is, but I, I think it is. But it, that seems to indicate to me that this was not, you know, he got a cramp and it, turned a little worse than a cramp this is like he was running grabs his calf and hit the ground yeah we should uh we should play a game this year whoever says dl the most has to buy everyone else shots oh that will definitely be me because i I refuse to do the il (laughs) it does not it does not make sense does not compute all right is there anything else on lindor or shall we start the outfield preview let's do it okay so Mike Trout, surprise, surprise, number one, one point one six. He's number one, right? Do you have any cause for concern, Nick? No, no, not at all. 
Joey said nope. And yeah, no, I you can't. He's been consistently an elite fantasy player since he came into the league. Obviously, amazing counting stats, amazing batting average. Uh, nothing more can be said, in my opinion. Um, number two, Mookie Betts, 1.88. He's locked down top three pick, right? Yep, and arguably number one. Yes, agreed. Well, that brings up a good point. So arguably number one, Nick. You – I mean, you said Trout is your number one pick. What – like, like, are we going back and forth well, between the two? Well, or? No, 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 no. What I said was I'm, uh, when you asked me about Trout, I said, yeah, Trout's fine, number one. He's, he's great. Like, that's – I'm okay with it. I, I'm, personally, I'm taking bets over Trout. Okay, see, now this is a hot take. Okay. Give me, give me your rationale, quick. Rationale is the counting stats are way better. I mean, you said that Trout's counting counting stats are are elite. They're not. If you take a look, last year he combined I think for 180 total, whereas um, Betts combined for over 200 total, and he also went 30 30, which is, I mean, Trout didn't go 30 30. I think he went 33 20. I don't have his stats in front of me. 33 22, something like that, maybe. Um, but he batted 346. So that's the bread and butter. Um, and he got on base. His OBP was 438. I think that, um, as crazy as this might sound, I think Betts has the better hit tool. I mean, to, to say that is kind of bizarre, but he's such a friggin' good natural hitter. It's ridiculous. Um, so I think that the – I don't know if he'll hit 346 again, but I could definitely see him, like, maintaining a 320-ish average throughout another season in 2019. I have him projected for 30-30 again, 315. And that's with really, really good counting stats. So I do have him ranked ahead of Trout. See, but to me, we've got, what, three years of Mookie Betts, right? Three yep. full seasons. Yeah, and they've Betts been really is, good seasons. Betts' worst season in three years is worse than Trout's worst season in six, seven years. Uh, that's a decent point. Um, but... I don't know. I, I mean, he still. We only have to go back one year to find 20, bets at 260 2020. He was 24, no, 24 26. Listen, let, let me break this tie. I don't, I, we really shouldn't spend too much time on Trout versus bets, but let me break this tie. The, the difference maker for me is that Trout has even more upside in that any one season, who knows, he can put up 45 home runs and still bat 300. Yes. Whereas Betts, I think, is just about maxed out. And I loved Betts, but I think he's just about maxed out. Well, for, for me, like I said, listen, I, I, I love them both, and it's, it's a toss-up. But for me, it comes down to the counting stat differential, and it's, it's big as far as uh, what, what Betts did last year. It was crazy. Okay, let's go ahead to head on, on outfielders three and four. We have J.D. Martinez, 6.22, and Christian Yelich. 7.07. So who you got between those two? Joe, kick us off here. Yeah, so I'm going to echo what Nick just said in the counting stats, and it's JD, because I think the counting stats are just elite. Um, and he'll, he's got a, as good a shot as anyone to lead the league and runs plus RBI. So it's JD for me. Yeah, for me, it's JD as well. I've been a huge JD guy for a while. Um the counting stats it comes down to that. I mean, those they're they're crazy. One one eleven and one thirty when you combine for one hundred and forty two hundred and forty one combined, uh, it's insane. 
Yelich, he's to me, listen, he's he's a year away from going eighteen sixteen, and a year before that going sure, twenty one nine. But listen, he's in Milwaukee now, and we all, we all thought he'd have a huge year. I don't think I don't know if we thought he would do. No, I don't think it was this big. Uh, <laughs> but um, I listen his. Um, he he's a great hitter and it's gonna, he's going to continue to do well. But it, and he he had good counting stats as well. But it's JD. Yeah, a clean sweep for me. I think it's JD. You know, I mean, obviously JD's getting the respect that he deserves at six. But I mean, with him and Arenado, I almost feel like they don't get enough credit for being the four category monsters that they are. Um, you know, in terms of putting together the batting average with the power with the elite run production. Um, that to me is a profile that I, I really like and I'm looking for at the top of the draft. I'm not looking to chase the steals that early. Um, Yelich, obviously, as Nick said, you know, we all thought that there was a step forward coming in Milwaukee. We didn't think it was a giant leap. And, and I don't necessarily believe in the giant leap. I mean, Yelich does hit the ball hard, and when he hits the ball in the air, he's hitting it hard. But he still has um, a significant ground ball issue. Um, and – in the second half, even with the amount that he hits the ball hard in the air, he had nearly a 50% homer to fly ball rate. That's mm. c- completely unsustainable. I don't care who you are. <laughs> so, I mean, to me, it's just Yelich is probably, you know, somewhere between the player that we saw last year and the player that we saw previous. You know, I, I feel comfortable putting him at high twenties homers. I don't know where you guys are. Do you guys have him projected for thirty? I like no. him for like twenty six. I have him at twenty nine. Yeah, see, I've got him at twenty eight. So we're all in the same sort of ballpark there. But we're okay with him as a first round pick, right? De- yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So with the Ronald Acuna, eight point zero six, the fifth overall outfielder. We can have some fun now. Acuna was really good last year. And dare I say it, that he lived up to the hype. But this is expensive. Are you on, are you on board with this price? Nick, Nick. you want to kick us off? Sure. Um, so I was, I think I was the Akuna guy, the big Akuna guy out of this group last year, correct? I had him yes. higher than everybody? Yep. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, I still am, and I, and, I, and I still like him at this price. It is a little high. Um, and I would uh, definitely take Judge over him, and I would definitely take Stanton over him. And I probably would take Bryce. I would definitely take Bryce over him as well. Um, so then you're not really in on this. Well, no, no, I am because I have Bryce, Judge, and Stan all ranked way higher than their ADPs as well. Nick, let me ask you a question. Go ahead. Are you concerned at all about the dry up in stolen bases with the change in the batting order? No. Okay. No. So, listen, the thing about Acuna is this. Um, he's going to get on base a ton, and when he does, he's going to steal bases. He was 16th in the league in sprint speed. And he was 33rd in the MLB in a- average exit velo. It's rare you see a guy beat the top, like f- within the top 40 in both of those stats. Um, just for reference, Mike Trout is 27th in exit velo and 35th in sprint speed. Um, I'm not saying that he's the next Mike Trout, but he's got, not only does he have that, but he has an excellent batted ball profile. I mean, the guys that you, that, that you comp him to, um, batted ball wise, are Goldschmidt. Um, uh, and Justin Upton, and I just – his upside is r- ridiculous to me. Like, I, I had him projected last year, I think before we did the pod, for a guy that could go 30-20, um, with close to a 300 average. He came really close to those numbers. This year, I think he's a lock for 25-plus. I think the stolen base is actually going to go 
up a lot. Um, I think he's going to go like 25 plus, 25 plus, and hit like 280. He's going to be really good. And he's going to have a, a, a ridiculous counting stats. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm with you. The hit tool is absolutely there. It's just a stolen basis, right? I mean, once he moved down a little bit in the order, he, he slowed up a bit. Um, and he paced out for, you know, something like 15 stolen bases for the season instead of, you know, closer to 20 or 22. Um, mm -hmm. It's kind of splitting hairs. Um, you know, I have him for 30 and 19. I feel pretty comfortable. Um, he's excellent. Yeah, I mean, he's one of the handful of players that have a legitimate shot to end up at the top of the heap, I think. Um, combination of power, speed, batting average, and situation. Um, but there are little red flags here that make me think that this might be a little expensive. I mean, the strikeout rate was at 25%, and the BABIP was at 352. So, I mean, I, I think anybody that's projecting him close to 300 is being a little aggressive. Um, or at least projecting him into growth that he hasn't shown yet. I think he's like a 270, 275 guy at this point. Um, and if he's going to hit that sort of batting average, it's going to be really tough for him to make his way to the top. Um, so, I mean, I, I think that he's closer to a second-round pick for me. Um, you know, I've got him at like 28, 19, 275 with very good counting stats. Um, and Joe, your point is well taken regarding the batting average position. I am a little concerned with that, but only to the extent it's going to lead to him sort of having his um, steal upside somewhat capped. I, I don't think it's going to lead to a situation where he's not going to run at all. I agree. I agree. But I, I just don't know that he's going to get upwards to 25 or 30 if he's hitting cleanup. Yeah, right. Like he paced out for something like 24. <laughs> Um, and I don't feel comfortable projecting him for 24, but he could still get there. I mean, it's not outside the realm of possibilities. Yeah. Okay, let's move to Bryce Harper, 18th, um, number six in terms of outfielders. I doubt this ADP will stick, so let's play a little game. If he signs in Philly, how high does he climb? If he signs in San Diego or even San Francisco, how low does he fall? Joe, why don't you kick us off? San Diego will definitely hurt. Um, Philly will definitely help. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty obvious. I think San Diego, he'll probably fall. I don't know. I mean, he'll have a lot working against him. Um, there's a chance that he won't eclipse 100 runs in RBI. Um, he might not eclipse 30 home runs in that case. There's just a lot not to like if he lands in, in San Diego. Um, Philly and Washington is probably moot. Um, and you know, maybe he, he moves up a couple of picks. Um, but, at, I mean, at what point do you start to worry? Um, like, if you're drafting today, are you still confident that he's absolute, absolutely going to sign and start the season? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not taking that into um, consideration like that as far as, like, will he or won't he sign. Um, but uh, for me, I, I, I have Hopper in – uh, right now, ADP-wise, I have him at uh, 10 overall. And if he signs in Philly, um, he sticks at 10. I'm, I'm, I put him there based on that, so I think he does end up there. If he goes to San Diego, he goes down to probably mm, maybe six, 15, 16, 17. And San Fran, pff, maybe 20. 
San Fran's really bad. Yeah, San that's, like, that's, that's the worst a, case that's scenario. That's the absolute worst, yeah. Yeah, uh, to me, I, I think I'm with Nick here. Uh, I actually have him right around 15. I think I could move him up three, four, five spots if he's in Philly. Um, if he goes to San Diego, I'd probably move him down five or six um, because of the reasons Joe mentioned with respect to the counting stats. I'm not terribly worried about the power in San Diego. Sure. Um, but I would be very concerned about the power in San Francisco. And I would be very concerned about the batting average. You know, like, uh, he almost becomes, like, yeah, Justin Upton in terms of his upside. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but Justin Upton's like a fourth or a fifth round pick. Oh, I mean, I think him th- hitting 30 home runs in San Francisco would be, like, pretty impressive. We, we said I mean, it. he who, can do who, it. Who was the last guy to do it? Barry Bonds. No, no, that was San Diego. The last lefty to hit 30 oh. homers in San Diego was... Wait, Adrian Gonzalez. No, San Diego. San Diego. Adrian. Oh Gonzalez. well, but that's because they suck. <laughs> no, really, really. I mean, it's true. Yeah. No. I mean, it is true. I mean, they, they have not had very good left-handed hitters. Who's the but, last? Who's the last lefty to hit thirty home runs in San Francisco? That's what we were saying. Yeah, I, I do not know the answer to that. No, we were saying San Diego. Yeah, we had said San Diego, but right now we're talking San Francisco, and I don't know the answer to that. I know in San Diego it was Adrian Gonzalez. Was Carlos quitting a lefty? No. Oh. And I don't think he ever played in San Francisco. No, San Diego. San Diego. <laughs> all right. I will have the place. Let's move on. Yeah, we're all over the place. It's time to move on. Um, Aaron Judge, 18.64, seventh overall outfielder. He had a nice follow-up to his dominant 2017 debut. Unfortunately, the year was broken up by injuries. Uh, specifically a wrist. What are your expectations for 2019? And is this looking like a value to you? Nick, you touched on Judge very briefly earlier, so I'm going to kick it to you. Yeah, so uh, listen, before I even say this, because they're going to go, oh, how many guys do you have in, in, in the first round? Look, when I do my ADPs, I do them blind. I don't I don't go up for anyone else's. So my ADPs, as we've, we've done our, ours together, are always a lot different than most people's. Um, so I don't have much pitching in my first round. I don't have Turner in my first round. I don't have a couple of other people there. Stan and Judge are both in the first round for me. Um, Judge is also in my first round. Yes, um, but I, I have Stan over Judge. But uh, mm. with with Judge, this is definitely a value. Um, first of all, he's a lock, a lock, a lock for ridiculous power. The exit below launch angle are insane. We don't have to tell you about it. It. it I didn't even look it up before this, but I can tell you right now it's probably 94 mile per hour plus, which is like Joey Gallo-esque, except he hits for high average. So you're getting Gallo with a high average. Um, The counting stats are going to be insane because that lineup is crazy. Um, He gets on base at an insane clip. He's in his steal bases. We saw it two years ago. He stole nine. Last year, he stole six. I think we could see uh, this year him go over 10. Ooh, um, sneaky he, speed. Yeah, no, he doesn't have sneaky speed. He's got speed. He's just fast, and his legs are like 10 feet tall, so he gets to second base in like a millisecond. Um, so, yeah, I love Judge. I have him uh, penciled in for 40 home runs, 10 steals, and a 280 average, and ridiculous counting stats. 2004 was the last Giants 30-plus home run season, and it Whoever. was indeed Barry Bonds. Yeah. 2004. That was 15 years ago. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah. There's it's no not a good look, Bryce. Don't no do it. Don't do it, Bryce. He's not going to do it. Uh, 
Nick, I didn't listen to anything you just said. So Pat, oh. talk about Aaron Judge. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't think we can doubt Judge anymore. At some point, he's probably going to hit. He's going to have a season where he's going to hit like 240 or 250 because the balls in play just don't go his way. But I think that's an outlier. Um, you know, he's earned his reputation as a plus BABIP guy. The quality of the contact, as Nick pointed out, is outstanding. Um, the strikeout rate will probably cap him around 280 in most seasons. But, you know, elite power and non-zero speed, it's a great package. And obviously you're talking about the Yankee lineup and he's going to be at the top of it. So it's going to be a ton of run production as well. Um, he is squarely towards the middle top of my first round as well. So wait, where do you have him overall? I, I don't have the number in front of me, but I think I've got him somewhere between 8 and 10. Oh, wow. All right. So you're, you're high on him. I have Judge. Oh, man. I might even be higher than you. No. I have Judge uh, 8. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. we got to share ADP soon. Curious to see what you guys. Uh, eight, uh, yeah, 8. Yeah, hmm. let me just take a look. and. and yeah, I mean, there's, there's like, I mean, he just got hurt. There's... There's no reason to think otherwise. No. Right? I mean, like, I'm expecting close to 40 home runs, 10 steals or so. Excellent, excellent counting stats. I mean, yeah. But the, but this is where I want to – I guess we could segue right into Stanton because this is this is the uh, the toss-up. Why are you taking him – where are you, where do you guys have Stanton ADP-wise? Oh, the, I mean, the difference between the two is I think Judge is a better hit tool. But where do you have Stanton? And you're already uh, And Pat, where do you have Stanton? I have Stanton 12th. You have I have 12th. Stanton at 18. What? Yeah. All right. So then that, you have to explain that to me then. Why is he 10 picks lower? Well, I think Judge is a safer safer bet on the batting average side yep. for one thing. Um, I, I think that Stanton, although he's got – obvious power i just don't know that the batting average is going to be there i expect an uptick in the homer to fly ball rate from last year so i think he's going to get to like 30 percent. so i mean he's probably close to a similar level to judge i just think there's more fluctuation in stanton than there is in judge in terms of his average season to season basis Joe, um, I just want to say thank you for eating Ritz crackers during the pod. It sounds great. I think I think the uh, those are those are Triscuit. Triscuit's Triscuit. Oh my God, he's drinking Triscuit crackers. He's drinking. I'm drinking Triscuits, <laughs> oh, eating, eating milk. God, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know if that merits ten picks, Pat. From eight, it might picks. not in terms of like your actual outlook on them. It's just. Listen, this is like a running theme for me. The and, and this goes cut all the way back to what we were talking about with Lindor. The first 20, 25 guys this year are really, really good. Yeah. yeah. Like, I would have no issue with somebody like you putting Stanton inside the first round. I just think that like some point we're splitting hairs among these guys. So, all right. So this is this is this is my issue. This is the reason why, first of all, I have Stan over Judge. Um, is but you have Stan over Judge? Yeah. Oh no way, dude! Judge is gonna get you steals and twenty points in batting average. That's perfectly Stan's fine. Stan's gonna steal bases too. Stan's but what did steal I, five? Did, did, you, did you look at the bold uh, predictions, Joe? Oh, I didn't get all the way through it. Okay, I gotta well, listen to the pod. I think John Carlos Stanton breaks Roger Maris's record this year. Hmm. Okay. Um, it's possible. It's not a record anymore. Well, a Yankee record, Pat. 
Um, <laughs> listen, bottom line is this. Last year. Come on. Can I finish? Can I finish? Okay, I finish. Um, listen, bottom line is this. He he's the, what was the big thing with Stanton that we used to always say year after year? His help. Back to back full season. Yeah, he's and, fine. He's fine. And look, the year before last, and probably the I, would you say that, would you say Miami's the worst or second worst park in the league? I don't probably know. Probably right now. I think I think probably overall the worst, specifically for lefties, San Francisco's worst. Well, it's up there in the top five, without a doubt. Yes. Um, well, he's he, not a lefty, so. And he's and he's a year away from hitting fifty nine in that park. And batting 281 with a 288 Babbitt. Um, sure. He strikes out a little bit less than um, Judge, and he goes through less pl- prolonged slumps than Judge. As a Yankee fan, um, I like Judge. I, Judge goes through really, really. <laughs> I, I'm, You're like gotta, talking yourself in circles. I know. I'm Here's sorry. the deal. Here's the deal, right? I buy the upside. I buy you on the upside, right? I just think Judge has a safer floor. And Nick, I think you've—I think you have sold me. I think I'm gonna move. I think I'm gonna move Stanton up a little bit. You have to. I'm gonna move him a little closer to Judge. Like, and he had a hundred. He only had two hundred and two combined. Like, you know that number is gonna go way, way up this year. Two hundred and two combined. What? Sorry. Combined runs and RBIs. Oh, runs and RBIs. Yeah. Like the Yankees had a lot of injuries last year. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I think the both of them are are headed for easily a hundred, over a hundred each. Both Judge and Stanton. Without a doubt. Yeah, um, this is an offense you want a piece of. Yeah. Okay, let's move to Charlie Blackman. Speaking of offenses you want a piece of, 26.73 quality season, but obviously down from 2017. Has the speed left him for good? And do you think the counting numbers bounce back? Uh, Joe, kick us off because we went to Dick last time. Yeah, so I was definitely the low man on him last year. Um, Why? Why was I the low man? Yeah. Yeah, because I didn't think he'd live up to the steal expectations. And he didn't. That was that was my that was my concern. But but wait, wait, wait. Uh, he had so wait, the steal expectations of what? From what? last year? He was being drafted what, within like the top seven? Yeah, but he hasn't stolen that many bags since twenty fifteen. So Sure, but but people were banking on him still, you know, being closer to twenty instead of closer to ten. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's necessarily true. I think I think people were taking him because he hit 37 home runs, batted 331, and scored 137 runs. I don't think the stolen bases had that much to do with it. That's pretty good. Sure. I mean, so, shut up, I bro. don't know. Anyway, so <laughs> no, I mean, I I mean, maybe you're right, but I was I was still the low man on him. Okay. Um. Yeah, so uh, can he bounce back? I mean, I don't know. Uh, I think 137 runs is like absolutely ridiculous, and that's really hard to reach ever again. He scored um, 119 last year. Oh no, I know, but yeah, and, and what's impressive about that is that's a down year. It is a down year. It is a down year. But I mean, who's to say that he's not declining? So uh, are, you, are you are you low on Charlie Blackman again? Uh, no, I think he's properly priced now. Oh, okay. Because he wasn't. He was within like the top six last year. See, I've got him higher than this. Yeah, me too. Uh, I don't think the speed is completely gone. I fully expect somewhere in the 12 to 15 range because I think he gets on base enough to do that, and I still think he's 
a smart enough base runner to do that. I don't think that they're going to tie him to first base by any means. Um, you know, you're talking, talking about 25 to low 30s type power in Colorado. Batting average is very safe inside Colorado. That lineup is better um, with the addition of Daniel Murphy. So I think the run production can take a leap forward. And as I said, as it was 119 runs in a down year. I mean, so even if he gets you 119 yeah. again, you're not going to complain about that. And I think with Murphy on the team, um, the opportunities for RBIs may may go up. Um, depending on how they situate their lineup, we don't know at this point how they're going to organize that lineup if Blackman's going to hit one, two, three, whatever. Um, one would imagine Arenado's going to be the three-hitter, but we don't know for sure. Um, so uh, to me, it, it's just – it's a lot of run production and it's like a 30, 15 type talent with elite batting average. And that's a really good player. And I think that like he deserves probably somewhere between eight to 10 picks higher than this. Yeah. And he's not getting it for some reason. So, I mean, when it comes to the ADPs I'm looking at, I'm like, Oh man, if I'm in a league where I can double tap Arenado and Blackman, I would, I would love that. Arenado, and it's a very, oh my God. It's a very, very possible combination because of where they're both going. Yeah. All right. Wait, I, I just feel the need to, to chime in here because it may, you guys made me sound like I was like a Charlie Blackman hater now, but I mean, I have him as my 15th overall outfield or, uh, um, hitter. So I'm like right there with you guys, like with, 10, 10 picks or so higher. Not yeah, that's it, Joe. Why don't you just jump back on the bandwagon? Yeah, <laughs> wow. Joe was like, oh, man, I didn't realize he's going 119 runs. That's like, what do you mean? I Joe. have the 15. Oh, my Joe God. Joe was like, oh, man, I thought that was Adam Eaton. <laughs> <laughs> Joey is fake news. He has him, like, ranked, like, 35th or something. Um, but, no, I, I actually do have him ranked 15th as well. Um, well, I don't know. Pat, where, where do you have him ranked, you said? I've got him ranked at 16. All right. Well, the whole thing with Blackman, like Joey mentioned steals and you mentioned steals, and I guess that is a topic of discussion with him. But for me, it's just a, a bonus with him. Like the reason why I'm taking him is for the elite runs and the elite average and the, the, the pop. It's like like Pat said, it's rare to get that good a pop with that good an average um, and and that, that crazy amount of runs. Uh, and and – the other thing is, yeah, he's getting older. He's 32 years old, and his sprint speed has gone down. But he's not – he was never, like, a crazy fast sprint speed guy. If you go through the years, he was never ranked, like, in the top 50. I looked at his stat case earlier. He was, like, a top 150, top 200. He's just a smart base runner, and that's good because he doesn't, he doesn't have to, um, you know, focus on speed. He could decline in speed. It doesn't matter. He's just a good base runner, and he gets on base at a crazy clip. And he's in the Rockies. So, yeah, I got him way higher. And if you get him at 24 – I'm just, I'm sorry, 26. That's a, th that's a third round in a 12 team league. Oh my God. So we definitely are starting to see the, the implications of uh, slower bat speed though, for sure. Right. The swing strike rate is steadily, steadily going up and the Z contact is steadily, steadily going down. But I mean, again, I'm not really concerned. He's Who cares about any of that nerd? He's yeah, <laughs> and stop lying about the fifteen. You, I, yo, you I gotta like say, Blackman. You don't like him. You clearly don't like I'm gonna, him. I'm gonna tweet this right now. Don't. Oh, well, you tweeted makes it official. 
You're everything right, everything you read on the internet is real. It does. Wow, scumbag. <laughs> All right, let's move, All right let's move to the 10th outfielder, Andrew Benintendi, 29.39. Does he have to take a step forward to return value here, and are you okay with buying the safe floor? Nick, it's your turn. Uh, I believe I was a high man on Benintendi, right, last year as well? I mean, I guess. Or the year before last. I, I don't know that that's something to think about. Remember. Yeah. Well, he was very good, um, but a little a little vanilla. Um, look, I, I – at bottom line is, yeah, I don't like the price here. Um, we, I comped him. I did a, I, te- I was writing you guys via message, comping him to guys that were going much, much, much later, like a Yaziel Puig is a, is a good example, or um, even this, Nick Castellanos. These guys that are going later, I think, could give you very similar value. Benintendi this year could very well hit under 20 home runs and steal around, uh, right around 20 bags. And, like, that's just not good enough to hold this value. Yeah, he's going to hit for good average, 100%. I think that's money in the bank. He's going to hit 280-plus. Uh, you close your eyes, guarantee. It's a great hit tool. He's extremely patient, doesn't strike out, makes a ton of good contact. That's all great and dandy. The, con- the, the counting stats will be good. He's going to score a ton of runs. Um, and he's going to be a solid player. He's a super, super, super safe safe bet. Um, but this, to me, here, I'm taking a guy with a higher ceiling, and I would not take him here. I'm probably, I'm probably waiting about – uh, I want to say probably about fifteen to fifteen to fifteen to twenty more picks later for Benintendi. So you just harped. We just harped about Blackman and the elite run production. You don't think that there's a path that Benintendi eclipses is, 110, but he, and is, then he's 2020. There is, but he doesn't, he doesn't have the track record for it yet. Sure, he, that's fair. But I mean, he scored 103 last year in a full season on that roster, and that roster is insane. So is there more upside? Yeah, but why didn't he do it last year? He was he was at the top of the lineup the entire year. And oh, uh, he was he was batting second. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, well, you know, second. Well, yeah, but if he bats first, right, he can score even more. He's not going to bat first. Yeah, but then he'll lose some more guys too. Sure, he definitely will lose. That's just sitting in that spot. You think so? You don't think Betts bat second? I don't know. It's no, possible. Betts is staying leadoff. No, they said Betts is sitting second. I think. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So, so, so Ben Attendi slated for the leadoff spot? Yeah. I mean, that's, that would be the logical guy, but. That's what I'm saying, right? So, like, it, so maybe, maybe he goes to 70, you know, 75 RBIs, but then he's at like 110, 115 runs. Yeah, it's uh, really good. I mean, it's not so bad anymore. Not so bad, but still, I think there are. This is the guy I look at and I say I could definitely wait and take someone else later. So, as far as outfielder ranks, I'm comfortable with it, but overall ADP, I'm with you. Yeah, I mean, I, I do sort of agree with Joe in terms of, like, the run production. And that's sort of, you know, the thing that kind of flies under the radar is is that's why Benintendi ends up this high, and that's why he ends up higher on the player radar than the surface stats would indicate where you're looking at, like, 16 homers, 21 steals, and you're like, Ugh. Yeah, that's boring. But the it's the run production that makes the difference. and. Um, you know, I do expect that to be at a comparable level year over year because, I mean, frankly, the Red Sox lineup is awesome. It hasn't changed at all, so there's no real reason to think that he's not going to produce at a similar level in terms of run production. Um, but there are some there are some things here. I mean, like, people expect Benintendi to turn into this 25-30 homer bat. Mm. Now, I mean, I do – 
I do expect him to end up as like a mid-20s power guy at some point during his career. It's just I don't know what's coming this year. And last year didn't sort of encourage me to give him that sort of credit or that leap. I mean, he was a 28% hard contact guy. That's really unimpressive. Uh, through two seasons, he's at 10% homer to fly ball rate. And he was at 11 in 2017 and nine last year. So, I mean, he's year over year. He's been fairly consistent at that level. Um, so, I mean, there's no real reason to think that he's going to take a leap forward there either. Yeah, um, and, he, and he, he's shown very little ability to handle lefties. Yeah, and that's also an issue that, that we need to watch, especially because, yeah, that might be a situation where they drop him down in the lineup against lefties yep. and he only yeah, hits possible. lead off against righties. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think that they're going to do that right away. I imagine they're going to give him the opportunity to take the everyday leadoff job, but that is something to watch too. Um, bottom line here is I wouldn't laugh at somebody for taking Benintendi in this spot, but I personally wouldn't take him here. Where do you have him overall? Um, keep asking me these questions that I don't have my rankings up. Well, ballpark. Do you have him like 10, 15 picks? 10, I want to say that I've got him right around – 45? I would say 35 to 40. 35. Yeah, so, okay. So, not too far down than where he is. No. No, because the run production is too good to push him too far. Okay. What about you, Joe? Where, where are you on? Um, I mean, I'm, like, kind of okay with this. <clears throat> because the run production is going to be elite. <clears throat> um, so, I mean, I, I'm comfortable. Um, I think I'd probably... I'd probably rather have like Chris Bryan over him, um, and and his his Cubs mate Rizzo. I'd rather have Cruz over him too. So the, I mean, there's there's a, a couple of guys that I'd still rather have over him. But um, you know, I'm with you. I wouldn't laugh at someone if they took him here. Yeah, I just checked it. I'm at 36. I, so. I, I mean, like, so Nick, where are you? I told you I have him. I have him around like 40 between 45 and 50. Okay, yeah, so you're not getting So, it. yeah, you're priced out. Well, well like, but listen, I think the guy I comped him to, like, was Brantley, which really isn't a fair comparison because Brantley is not going to have the counting stats. But, like, when the home runs – might. Well, look, when the, home, when the home runs and stolen bases are that close – and I'm sorry, the home runs, stolen bases, and average are that close to a guy that's going 100 picks later, the runs do not outweigh 100 picks of ADP for me. That's the bottom line. Like – it's one category. Like, yeah, he's going to get some RBIs too, but I don't know. I look at Brantley. I look at Pollock. Guys, you could take a shot at that are going like 115 plus, and I'm like, there's I – don't, I don't feel good about taking Ben Attendee there. I don't yeah, disagree with you on that point. I mean, that's – yeah, that's fair. He's kind of the type of player that he, – he kind of represents the teardrop to me, like if that – if that makes sense. Like he's kind of the first guy where I go, I don't feel great about taking him here. But why is, why is he ranked ahead of Marte? Would any of you take him over Marte? I would take him over Marte. And the reason really? is the run production. Yeah, dude, the run production is elite though. Man. All right, but the run, what do you mean? He's, he's got 103 runs. Like yes, but year. if he's batting first, he's going to score like 115. All right, easy. so he scores 115, but Marte's getting probably what? Eight to ten more home runs, and what? Ten? No, absolutely not. No, and more home runs. No, 30, he's going to hit thirty home runs, well, twenty-five what, home what runs. What did Marte hit last year? Twenty. 
Oh, okay. Hey. All right. I, th- I thought he hit for more power. Lift. And it'll steal. All right. So it'll steal 15 or to 20 more bags, but he's going to be like in the 80s in runs. Okay. All right. That's fair. I, I, uh, okay. Well, okay. So speaking of run production, let's move it to Whit Merrifield, 30.81, the 11th overall outfielder. Um, we were we discussed him on the second base pod, or at least I did. Do you prefer him or Ben Benintendi? Joe? I'm still I'm still taking Benintendi. Yeah, this this I'm taking Benintendi. Yeah, I'm taking Benintendi too. I, I think Wit like like we've been talking about, which has really turned into the focus of the show tonight, which is the run production, is a really tough pill to swallow when it comes yeah. to Wit. You know, you've got the elite speed, yes, you've got the good batting average, and you got the non-zero power. But the run production deficit could be like 40 to 60 runs plus RBIs. Yes. A lot. As we go through this tonight, you're going to notice that as you get deeper into the draft, that sort of elite level run production dries up. So you can't, you're going to have a hard time making up that sort of deficit at the very, very top of the draft, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think 45 was his ceiling as far as stolen bases. Um, I don't think he – I don't think you could you could draft him hoping for 40-plus again. Um, yeah, this is way too high. But doesn't he have uh, some eligibility in Merrifield? Yes, he's got yes, second. second. So that, that's an added bonus. Oh, I think he's got first as well in um, limited formats. And like Yahoo, I think he's got first base. Okay. I, yeah, I yeah. still like him, but the, the, the county stats are, could, could be really scary this year. You know, and like, uh, I'm, I'm just going to to uh, segue here to standing gain points. Or, yeah, standing gain points, right? So, like, in, in our home league, we're in a 12-team, uh, what, 27 roster league? 27-player, yeah. Yeah, 27-player 20, league, right? OPS and quality starts. Um, and last year for our league, right, runs were more valuable than an RBI. A run was more valuable than an RBI, right? So, you know, having elite these elite guys, it's, I mean, it's worth it. Yep. Yep. I agree. Okay. Let's move to Juan Soto 12th, 32.35 amazing rookie year, but the draft price shows it. What do you foresee in his sophomore season? And does the dreaded sophomore slump lurk here? Nick, this is your boyfriend. Tell us all about Juan Soto. Yeah. So Last year, I, I'll say it again. I think this is the future best player in baseball. I had him uh, ranked over Vlad. I, I said that he would be up before Vlad. And I think he's going to be an overall better player than Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, at, when all said and done. Um, listen, the bottom line is this. You look at his batted ball profile. You look at his patience at the plate in his first year up. He, this kid has all the tools to just be – an absolutely absurd, absurd baseball player. He's absurd. Absurd. <laughs> 20 years old. He has a 94-mile-per-hour exit below. The launch angle, he hit 22 home runs last year with like a three-degree launch angle. I don't have it in front of me, but I know it was like crazy low. Um, if this kid changes his swing at all, which he's going to because he's 20 years old, he's going to easily be a 40-home run bat in the future with 300 average. He's going to be insane. Like, this kid, to me, is, like, the next, like, Manny Ramirez. Like, I just think he's, like, a future Hall of Famer in the making. I've loved him before he came up, and I would take him at this price, maybe even higher. He's going to be insane. Okay, so the only only thing I I have on Soto is the adjustment period, 
right? And so he absolutely demolished fastballs. And the best hitters in the league absolutely demolish fastballs. But the thing that the best hitters in the league also do is they can hit breaking stuff. And he was exposed against sliders last year. Sliders, um, you know, and, and softer softer pitches, right? So do, do pitchers attack him differently this year knowing that he can crush fastballs? Now, not everyone has good secondary stuff, so they can't afford to, right? So that's understandable. And I think Soto's going to be fine. And I think he's got an immense hit tool. But there still might be an adjustment period. Yeah, I, I love the plate skills, so I don't think there's a sophomore slump per se. So I don't think he's going to completely bust. Um, I don't think he's going to suddenly strike out more. But, you know, you, you look at the, the ground ball rate at 53.7%, the ground ball to fly ball approaching two, um, you know, you have to be a little concerned about that from a power perspective. You shift to the bat ball authority, you have a soft contact percentage of 20%. The hard contact is not terribly impressive at 34%. It's not quite where you want it to be. Um, so, I mean, it, it's one of those things, as Nick mentioned, you know, you, you can foresee a scenario where there's a swing change and suddenly he's 35 homer bat with an elite average and he's excellent, but we haven't seen that adjustment yet. So looking at him as the player that he is, I sort of see 25 homers, um, 290, you know, five, six, seven stolen bases. He did run a little bit at the end of the year. It's a, it's a decent player. Um, but then you also have Joe's point, which is, a good one about the breaking stuff. Uh, he was basically league average against everything else except for fastballs. So if there's an adjustment made the other way, maybe that's where Soto takes a hit. To me, it's just it's a it's a profile that doesn't warrant this draft pick, in my opinion. I think that this is a little too high for the player that he is now. I think you're paying some for the growth that people are yeah, that's a good point. putting into him. And I, and I agree. And I kind of agree with you there. Like you, bottom line is, and, and the, I just pulled up the launch angle. It was, it was 5.5 degrees. You can't hit 30 home runs with that launch angle. You just can't. And that's the reason for the ground ball rate and so on and so forth. Um, uh, if he, if he undergoes somewhat of a swing change, which I think he will, that the power will come immensely. Um, and in the future, he's going to be great. Right now, it, it, this actually might be a little too high. It might be a little too high at this point. So, like, here's some things, though, right? The, the ground ball rate's good for his batting average. And the fact that he, he has such a good eye and can walk, right? He can walk through slumps, which is good. And that'll mean that he's still going to score a lot of runs. I mean, I think all of the projections at the low 90s is probably going to be pretty low, to be honest. I think that he can get close to 100 runs scored. Even I, in the three hole, I think Steamer had him projected for like the second or third highest OBP in the league, which was really interesting. Yeah, and Steamer only has him at eighty-eight runs. I think he'll blow by that. So, and like, I think the floor is pretty okay. And that gives and like the the fact that he has that sort of level of pitch recognition and patience gives me confidence that even if he's not able to hit breaking stuff, he's got the good sense to lay off it. Yeah, because most take the walks. Yeah, most pitchers aren't throwing breaking pitches for strikes anyway. No. So 
even if he can't hit the stuff, I think he'll be able to carry it to a degree with his walk rate that it's not going to be fatal to his production or lead to like any kind of great fall off. I, I think I think this sort of profile is fairly immune from the sophomore slump. I just question whether the upside comes this year or not. Sure. Okay, let's move to Chris Bryant, 34.54, 13th overall outfielder, also has third base eligibility. We offered our thoughts on Bryant and third base pod. We like him as a bounce-back candidate, so let's get down to it. Him or Soto? Oh, yeah, right now it's it's Bryant for me because um, I think he's closer to being a 35 home run hitter than Soto is. Um, I think that's really all it comes down to it. I, I mean, obviously, he was hurt last year. I have no concerns about him coming into this season. The Cubs, aside from Javi Baez, pretty much had down years across the board. <clears throat> so the counting stats were pretty poor for everyone. Um, yeah, I think he's a great bounce-back candidate. I think he'll um, he'll eclipse 100 runs. He'll be right around 30 home runs, but he has room for more. You know, he'll, he'll throw this handful of stolen bases, too. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's Brian for me. Yeah, I think that Bryant is, like, the guy this year um, with this ADP that everyone's eyeing in, like, the end of the third round. Like, oh, my God, if I could get Bryant here, like, that'll be <laughs> because it's Chris Bryant. And I, I agree with it. The shoulder injury is a little bit worrisome, but, um, you know, he's still, what, 26, 27 years 27, old? 27, yeah. 27, so he's entering his prime, and I, I think he's uh, right in between – on the 2017 and 2016 season uh, type of player, where I think he's like 33 home runs, uh, seven or eight steals, uh, 285 to like 295-ish average, mm-hmm. and with, with really good accounting sets. So, yeah, I, I like him over Soto, but but uh, and, and I have him a lot higher than his ADP. Yeah, I also have Bryant. Um, you know, I, I like the ceiling on Bryant in terms of, what I perceive him to be close to, as Joe mentioned, you know, like I think he's closer to the 30 homer bat than Soto is at this point. Um, you know, I trust Bryant to run more as well. So I think this comes down to whether or not you want, you know, like 285, 30, 10, or 290, 25, 5. And for me, I think the answer is, is Bryant's profile. Plus you also factor in the additional eligibility, and that sort of gives him Um, a boost over Soto as well. Okay, 14th, Starling Marte, 37.93. We brought him up already tonight. In a sea of expensive speed options, Marte seems pretty reasonably priced. Is he an option that you consider on draft day? Joe, kick us off. Uh, Yeah, so I think I'd rather have Marte at this price than Merrifield at his price. Um, Yeah, I mean... um, I'm I'm okay with it. I'm okay with taking him here. Um, you know, all the speedsters are going very very expensive. Um, this is Marte represents one of your last shots to get one of these t- type of players, right? Someone that uh, is going to provide some home runs with the uh, the top tier stolen base totals. Um, I mean, he's he pretty much is what he is at this point. You know, t- twenty home runs, thirty to forty stolen bases you know, a 275 batting average, but um, it's good to pencil in. Yeah, it's, it, this is one of those kind of like unexciting picks, but I like the ADP. Um, he's, and 
you know, he's one of the guys that will definitely get you the stolen bases and he'll get you the average. Uh, that's the combo you want. And he does, and he adds some pop. You know, he's a guy that last year did hit 20 home runs. So if he goes 20, 30, um, 275 plus, that's a, that's a nice return in value. Um, so I, I, I like Marte here as well. Yeah, I mean, I think he's bankable. You know, as you guys said, it's like 15 homers, 30 steals, 275. Um, but he does suffer a little bit from the same issue as Merrifield, which is he lacks the run production, and he might put you at a deficit there. Um, I'm less worried about him than I am Merrifield because I think the Pittsburgh lineup is a little bit better, a little bit more proven. I think there's a little bit more certainty as to um, who he's surrounded by. So I don't think that he's got – the same run production floor as Merrifield. I think he can pencil Marte in for somewhere between 150 and 170. And if he ticks up towards 170, then you're probably okay. Um, but it is something to keep in mind. Um, but again, I, I think he sort of falls into like that Benintendi Merrifield sort of class for me where um, it's an unexciting pick, but it, it's definitely one I'm considering at at his current price because I've got him ranked right about here. Um, and, you know, as Joe said, it's really one of your last opportunities to get a really safe um, elite speed guy. Is think, it, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No. I, Is the Pirates lineup that much better than the Royals lineup? I don't know about that. Um, it's, it's really like – no, I feel like the Royals lineup is just so so volatile. It is, yeah. Like it's, they it's, could like like Hunter Dozier yeah. and Alberto Mondesi, right? Like it could be really good, but it could also be like really god awful. Yeah, it could. I'm just saying that the, the Pittsburgh lineup is kind of ugly to look at. It is, but I also feel like it's. The whole is better than the sum of the parts in Pittsburgh, I think. I, I think when you kind of put it all together, it's... Yeah, I mean, Frazier's a nice little player, right? The two catchers are all right. Polanco will be back at some point. Corey Dickerson had a nice year last year. They get he made some changes. Who knows what happens with him? Maybe yeah. Josh Bell actually becomes what we would like him to become. Yeah, not some bootleg Brandon Bell. It's just like so it's just so much less volatile. That's what it is. Yeah. Okay, so let's move to Reese Hoskins, 15th outfielder, 40.28. Gonna add first base eligibility during the year if he doesn't already have it. Um, is there more to Reese beyond what we've seen, or do we have a pretty good grasp on who he is? Nick. You can kick us off. Yeah, I think there's more to it. I think we, I think, I think we could see a nice boost in the batting average this year, and we could see a big boost in the counting steps. I, I really like him. I have him ranked higher. The power is definitely real. I mean, if you doubt 30, that he's a 35 home run bat, then you haven't watched him play. Um, the kid is just, just an absolute beast. He's like six five, two thirty. Um, so yeah, I, I like the price here a lot, and I think this year he could go easily go over 35 home runs and Eclipse 200 combined total runs RBIs. And I really like the batting average to take a, a, a swing upward. Um, he can take a walk. He doesn't strike out much. He makes a lot of contact. He has good OBP, gets on base. 
I think we could see a year where Hoskins gets to like 275, 280. I don't know if it'll come this year, um, but I haven't projected for a 265 average, which is 15 points higher than last year. Um, so I, I like him for 35 plus, 265 with really good counting stats. So I have him ranked higher than his ADP. Yeah, I mean, the the potential for the higher batting average is clear as day, right? It's the uppercut swing. Um, the launch angle is huge, 22 degrees. Um, crazy high infield fly rate at 11%. He led the league in fly ball percentage at 51%, right? So fly balls don't don't aren't good for BAPIP, right? And they're bad for batting average. So it's pretty clear that if he gets a more level swing um, and sticks with the barrels when he needs them and uh, – you know, hits line drives a little bit better. There's a path to more, um, to more batting average. Now, will he do it? I'm not sure. See, yeah, I need to, and he doesn't even need to, to be honest. Well, no, I think he does, but but the pitch recognition is so good that I think sure. he can. No, what I mean is he could sit it. He could 250 is fine in this climate. Like sit it. Oh, sure. Yeah, but we're talking about you know if he makes the the next step forward. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think we know who Hoskins is at this point. I, I think he's probably going to hit somewhere between 270 and 240. Um, you know, as you guys have kind of mentioned, it, he has the bad bit issues because of the fly balls. But, um, you know, he's also got pretty good play discipline. So that, that sort of offsets 30 to 35 bankable homers, which is nice. Um, strong run production and a good lineup, which could get better if they add Machado or Harper. He's also a non-zero in speed. He can steal five, six bags or so, um, which is nice. Yeah, I, I think he is what he is at this point. You know, you make a good point about um, potentially bringing down the launch angle a little bit and hitting for a little bit better average. I, I don't see that happening. It just doesn't seem like that's the pattern with which these players are taking their approach. It seems as though everything's in the air and there's not really an emphasis on bringing it down. Um, so, I mean, I think he's locked in as he is. But, I mean, I think he's perfectly fine as he is too, especially with the dual eligibility where you can sort of take him, know he's going to get first base if he doesn't already have it in your format. Um, and that provides you with a little bit of flexibility to either take a first baseman later on or have some additional insurance at first base. Uh, or just slide him into your outfield and you know take advantage of it if, it if an injury pops up. Yeah, the other thing is I don't I don't know if the Phillies want to change his swing because they need the power hitter in the middle of that lineup right now. Yeah, that's constituted right now. He's really the and and another thing primer and, power hitter. And we keep saying like oh if they sign Machado if they they don't have to sign either of them and the lineup is still really really good like there's a lot of OBP guys so he's in a. He's going to hit a ton of RBIs this year if those guys stay healthy. Okay, let's move it to Cody Bellinger, 44.75. He does have first base eligibility. Uh, somewhat of a disappointing sophomore season. Do you think the real Bellinger is the 2017 version we saw in his rookie year, 2018 version we saw last year, or somewhere in between? Joe, Pat, take us off. Pat, oh, you should say this. Do I make it so? Okay. yeah. I mean, I talked about him on the first base show already, and I said somewhere in between. I still feel that way. I think he's a 30-homer bat. He's fast enough to steal 15 bases easy. Um, in fact, I think his speed is a little underrated. Um, you know, I could see a 20-steal season, absolutely. Um, thus why the, the Dodgers are comfortable playing him 
in center and he can actually hold down that position. I also think there's more batting average upside at some point down the line as he adjusts the league. I don't think that's coming this year, but um, you know, you got to remember he's still relatively young. Um, he's, he's a player that's made adjustments in the past. So I have some degree of faith that, you know, he's got like a 280, 285 type season in him at some point down the line, um, sort of as an upside. Um, but I mean, if you look at Hoskins versus Bellinger, um, I would much rather have Bellinger because the power is comparable. They have similarly good situations. The batting average issues, I think, favor Bellinger a little bit. And then I also think Bellinger is going to chip in 10 to 15 more steals. Um, so I don't think it makes a lot of sense for Belly to be going behind Hoskins, but where do you guys stand, Joe? I, I, we obviously own shares of Bellinger and we've been a big fan of him for a while. So, uh, where are you on Cody in terms of his outlook? Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I, I second that. I think 25 home runs is probably closer to his floor. It probably is his floor actually. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I think he'll be much closer to 30, 31 again. I mean, I don't really have much to add, right? He, he adds the stolen bases over Hoskins. I think the batting average, he's got the better, slightly better profile than Hoskins. So, yeah, I'm with you. Um, yeah, so I, I, I like Hoskins better. I'm, I'm not just going to completely dismiss last year's home run totals like you guys are doing right now. I mean, it did happen. He played a full season, and he went through a really long, prolonged slump. I don't have the, I have the stats in front of me. I try to pull them up. My computer's being a bitch right now. But um, – uh, listen, I think that the um, bottom line is the Phillies lineup is better suited for – it's better for canning sets-wise, I think, for um, for Hoskins. The OBP guys ahead of him are just ridiculous. And Cesar Hernandez, Gene Segura, and, and, and Andrew McCutcheon. Um, and then th- that with the- I don't know that they're a lot better than Corey Seager and Justin Turner. Well, actually, that's a, that's a pretty good point. Um, and AJ Pollock now. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, but, yeah, I, I just think that – Hoskins' power is a little more real, um, and Bellinger, I, I I think he'll be somewhere in between, but closer to 30. I don't think he'll be like a 34 home run bat. Uh, I haven't projected for 30 home runs, uh, 13 steals, and a 260 average, which is nice, but I just have Hoskins' home run production being like elite. I just think he could be a 40 home run bat, which is... Really nice way to keep well, the average. All right, I just want to chime in on a couple of things. First of all, I don't think that me and Joe were dismissing last year. I think we believe that last year was closer to his floor than yeah, I mean, that's what middle I said. ground. But we didn't say that there's no way it ever happens again. Mm-hmm. And then two, you're mentioning that Hoskins has the ability to be a potential forty homer bat. Well, Bellinger's already hit already done it. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, you want to acknowledge the fact that he hit 26 or whatever it was last year. You also have to acknowledge the fact that he hit 38 in a shortened season the year before. So Bellinger has the same home run upside that Hoskins does. And you haven't even seen Hoskins hit that many home runs yet. So you're giving Hoskins credit for something he hasn't done yet. Yeah. And can, and conceivably, right. Have we seen Hoskins floor? I don't know. Well, I think Hopkins has the higher ceiling for home runs just based on based on the launch angle. Exit well, below, obviously, and... I think Hopkins has the higher ceiling for home runs because I said so. On that note, let's move on. <laughs> Pat, you drunk? <laughs> no, not yet. I am. Um, <laughs> all right, 17th, George Springer, 
uh, 17th overall outfielder. Oh, the price boy. has obviously gotten more reasonable than where it was. But would you agree that this is a tier and that he's the most expensive player in it? I do not like George Springer this year. Sorry. Sorry, George. You're my you're my boy. I have your jersey. But, dude, this is expensive still. Um, yeah, that's the, that's the thing is it got cheaper. And it's still expensive. I mean, sure. So, if, as long as he's batting first still, he'll still be right around 100, RB, or 100 runs, maybe even more, right? Altuve and Correa both had down years. Sure. But he's not really a 283 hitter. That's probably his peak. He's also probably not a 34 home run hitter. That's also probably his peak. So, people were paying for his, his, you know, his career year last year. Okay, fine. Now he's come down a bit. But, you know, at with 26 home runs or so and a 275 batting average, you know, that that's being kind of generous and 105 runs, but you know, mid 70s RBIs. I mean, we're looking at a player that should be going even further down than than Springer is. I Listen, I was outspoken about Springer this year saying that um at this point People are still um, hoping for that big year still from Springer um, because he came up such, as such a highly touted uh, prospect. Um, but this, listen, you cannot take away that the last three years in a row he's got 100-plus runs. Yep. And we talked a lot of tonight about run production and counting stats, yada, yada. And, you know, on this team, you know he's going to get 100-plus if he plays a full season again. I do think he has more upside, without a doubt, in, in home run totals. I think he's more of like a 28 home run bet. Um, and as far as steals go, I, I really think he has more of an upside than – Nah, than, no way. I, I really do. I think he's – listen. He nope. stinks at running the bases. No way, Yeah, but, but, listen, but listen, based on his speed and his OBP, I just feel like he's more of close to a 10 stolen base guy than a 5 or a 6. Yeah, okay. not. and based on the fact that he gets thrown out – Dude, it's 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 not just that, right? It's it's also the fact that Houston is not going to try and steal as much. I said it last year. I yeah, thought I thought it right. might have been a little bit later, and it was last year. They're just not going to. Who do you like better, straight up, him or Nick Castellanos? Straight I have up, Springer, Springer. I have Springer right in front of Castellanos. And him or Puig? <laughs> God, you know you know the answer to that. Week. Yeah, you asked me this last week, and I said Springer, and now I'm kind of it is absolutely wavering on it. Oh, everyone's jumping on the Puig train. So wait, so you have wait, you and me are the Puig train. We are the conductors. Who? You and me. Yeah, I like, I like Puig too. Puig's my friend. <laughs> Shut up, Pat. Say it. Um, wait. So then, who do you like better, Sam or Springer? Uh, oh, I Tommy. Have, I have Tommy. Tommy. Yeah. What, you like Springer I, better? No, I have Fam over Springer. Oh, I have Fam over like everyone, but okay. <laughs> yeah, I've got Fam number one. Number one. <laughs> He's my number one fam. And what about Dollar? Dollar Springer. All right, come on. We're going to talk about these guys. <laughs> Dollar Springer. Dollar Springer. No, we're going to talk about Dollar. Pick one. Uh, Stop it. Uh, I have Dollar just in front of Springer. Interesting. Wow, niggas are trying to like figure out. <laughs> well, that's where we, that's where we, that's where we differ. I, 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 have, I have Springer ahead of. 
Yeah, All right, who are we up to? You know, just the other thing that I would add with in terms of Springer, I mean, Joe, you mentioned the fact that Altuve and Correa are both hurt. They've also added Brantley, and I think Brantley is probably going to slot in at two in that lineup mm-hmm. behind Springer. That's going to um, uh, add to the get a hit? Uh, that's a good point. Yeah, what are you talking about, Pat? You're not making sense. Yeah, there's no way Brantley's hitting There's two. no way. Brantley's hitting five. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. no yeah, way Bradley's yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Okay. Relax. I was just I was thinking for a second. Sure, sure. It's okay. It's okay to be able to think, guys. Um, yourself. Yeah, I, I think I think that Springer's 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 a, a good option. It's just he's he, he's right at the top of this tier, and this tier goes for a while. And there's nothing about him that makes him stand out above everybody else. Now, while he's got that run production, yes, there are guys in this tier that steal bases. There are guys in this tier that hit for more power than he does. Uh, there are guys in this tier that can hit for a better average than he does. So it, it's it's really difficult to pay up for him um, relative to everybody else, especially when everybody else is going later in my mind. Okay, let's move to Tommy Pham, 18th, 63.58. So offline, we've waxed poetic about Tommy Pham, and we've even started to tonight. Um, so would you rather have him or the 19th overall outfielder, Lorenzo Kane, 67.01? Nick, kick us off. I'd rather have Pham. Bam! <laughs> Always. Nice. Yeah, I, I – uh, uh, Joe, you want to answer that quick too before I start? Yeah, it's Fam over Kane. Yeah, clean sweep. Okay. <laughs> okay. So yeah, we love we love Fam. Um, listen, bottom line is this: I think that there is a season in which this guy can just absolutely go banana sandwich, and I think it's this year. The Rays in the last couple of years have gotten a lot out of their offense. They've squeezed the most they can out of their talent. Um, and I think Fam is going to be that guy this year. I think he's going to be like a 25 home run plus bat with 20 plus steals. And the upside for the average is tremendous. I think he is more of like a close to a 300 hitter, like a 290, 295-ish type of hitter. So I like him for 20 plus, 20 plus, 290. And he's going he's gonna, to – the Rays are going to be really good this year. I have them as the wild card. They were really good last year. Yeah, Yo, the yeah, Rays but... lineup is god awful. No, it's not. You want it? Can I read it to you? Go ahead, but I can recite All right, it. This is on Go roster ahead. resource right now. Go ahead. Right, it's Kiermaier. Okay, good. Fam, good. All right, Wendell, good. Avisel Garcia. I like him at the four. G <laughs> <laughs> Man Joey. Oh, you're gonna put with the G Man? <laughs> And then it's Willie Adams and Austin Meadows. And then Zanino. Yeah, it's Adamus. All right, Adamus. Put some sure. respect on his name. Right? It's it's like, it's got to get shuffled here, right? I don't think Avisel Garcia is going to bat four. No, this team needs to trade for Edwin. Oh, yeah. That's a good that's a good. The, the only The only thing I'm worried about, fam, is, is like, will he get to 100 runs or RBIs in the two-hole? I mean, it's a great spot to be. All right. Look, but can I just interrupt you for, for a second? Y- yeah, sure. All right. First of all, Meadows is going to be the top of the lineup. Uh, I don't right off the gate. No, 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 uh, not like, not like, no, no, not like lead off. I'm sorry. I just meant like he'll be in the top four. So like, 
Bottom line is, I think Fam's going to be. Scared. I don't know about that, man. In, in some order, in yeah, no, he definitely is. Um, he's gets on base. He hits home runs. He steals bases. Yeah, I know, but he's the, he's, the, he's the youngest. He's the youngest on the team, dude. Start the year too, because dude, he's the youngest on the team, bro. Like, I understand that talent wise, yes, right. But it, this is baseball. You got to like look at it from the baseball perspective. They're not going to have a twenty-two-year-old that's like, you know, still figuring it out batting three or four. Yeah, right and, and he, it's not like he's an elite, elite prospect. He's not Vlad. Yeah. He's not so, Soto. He's really good. Well, I mean, we yeah, know. Yeah, he's good, relative, but he's not that sort of uber prospect where he's going to command. Uh, yeah, like a manager's not going to be forced to right, bat in look, three or four. Look, all right, well, getting away, my, my point is this, that the, the Raves line in general, so listen, are surrounded by fam. You have Wendell, who... I love. I don't know how you guys feel about yes, it. Yes, I love yeah, Wendell. Yeah, yeah, Wendell's right. good. So we love Wendell. Um, we all like Austin Meadows once he does come up, right? I like Duffy just because he gets on base a lot. So he'll provide – he'll give Fam some counting stats. He's also pulling a Byron Buxton and adding muscle. Beautiful. That's a beautiful thing. Um, and obviously – Who doesn't like Mike Zanino? Well, no. All right, let's <laughs> – I'm not going to I'm not gonna get to Mike Zanino. But overall, it's a good – it's a good lineup, and they have the best coaching in baseball. So they're gonna they're gonna figure out a way. And I, I just think Fam has like a really good year this year. Love him. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you, Nick. Uh, he's a plus Babbitt type. Forty eight percent hard contact is excellent. Um, he's got both power 48? and speed. Forty eight percent. Holy moly! And you know, like I, I am not far off in terms of where you are on him. I see him as a twenty five twenty. 275 type. Um, he's in the heart of that lineup, which I'm with you, Nick. I, I think it's relatively solid. I think it's a little under, a little unimpressive when you look at it piece by piece by piece, but I think it's kind of like the Pirates lineup in that if you kind of put all the pieces together, they start to make a little more sense. And I do think they're, they're going to find a way to add somebody at some point um, to help uh, buttress that lineup. I, I, I just think that this is the – Good word. I think that this is the ideal spot for Edwin Encarnacion. It is. I don't know what's going to happen right away. But, I mean, even in terms of just fans' outlook, you know, you're, you're in the best – one of the best hitters divisions in baseball with all of the favorable road parks. And on two of those other teams, the pitching leaves a lot to be desired. Um, you know, talking specifically about Baltimore and Toronto. Oh, yeah. um, you know, and fam is very much on top of his analytics – a very smart player. He's consistently working on his craft, which is something I always like to see. It means he's less vulnerable to approach changes uh, against him, and I think he can adjust quicker, good deep, good plate discipline, good walk rate. Just an overall very good player, and he's my favorite from this group. So of this sort of tier that I've created in my mind, he's, he's the first guy, and he's the one I don't mind paying up for. Yeah, I've always I've always commented to um, Hunter Pence. I think like end of their careers, like if you look at Pence's good years, and I think when you look, when you eventually look at Fam's good years, they're gonna be like identical, like twenty twenty good average, um, smart hitters. So, and I, and I think he has that one year in him where he could do it, and this is gonna be the year. I love him. Do, so wait, do you you're the Kane guy, Pat? Do you like him over Kane? Yes, I like Fam over Kane. I've got some concerns about Kane, but I figured we'd let Joe talk about Fam so, first. Do you have your Fam ADP in front of you? Just out of curiosity. Where do I rank him? 
Yeah. I do not have it in front of me, but I can look it up while Joe talks about okay, it. Okay, go ahead, Joe. Oh, I mean, I don't have anything really to add that you guys haven't talked about already. But, I mean, I'm on board. Um, you know, I think he's like the 25, you know, 15-ish type guy. Maybe not 20 stolen bases. But, yeah, I mean, all he ever needed was playing time, proper playing time. Um, well, and, and the eye surgery. Yeah, well, and, and you mentioned too, right, the he, he is very aware of the analytics too. So, I mean, there's there's just a lot to like about Fam, and I'm, and I'm on board. I've got Fam at 52, Nick. Yeah, I've, I've got him at 49. Okay, so I, with Kane, you know, in part, I think that this is sort of the anti-Starling Marte argument, where Marte's going compared to where Kane's going. Um, Kane's going to hit for a little less power, run a little less, but have a better average. And I think Kane will take runs while Marte will take RBIs. But I, I do have a little bit of concern with Kane, which I hinted at. He's getting up there in years now. Um, the Brewers are extremely competitive. And as Joe mentioned with the Astros, you know, when they really started to take that leap forward, they gradually ran less and less. And the Brewers have been running a lot. Um, and they were sort of ahead of schedule last year, I think. I know that they, you know, obviously went out and they signed Yelich and signed Kane, traded for Yelich and signed Kane. Um, so they intended on being more competitive, but I, I just worry that they start to scale back the running a little bit. And if they do that, I think Kane really suffers. Um, I do foresee a path to him hitting for more power. Uh, if you look at him in terms of his build, uh, he certainly has the sort of build that you can project power into. And now that he's outside of Casey and he's in Milwaukee, he's in a more favorable park, which would allow it to play up. And I thought it would actually play up last year and it didn't, but that was because really he hit the ball on the ground a ton more. Um, so I, while I believe it's in there, I'm not 100% sure it's ever going to get unlocked. Um, and I just worry that this could be like a, 290, 10 homer, 20 steel type profile that's really lacking in RBIs. It's, I don't think that you're going to get killed by taking Kane by any means. It's just, I'm a little, I, I just think that there are other guys in this tier that present more upside, like Fam, for instance, um, that want, that caused me to want to take the pass on Kane. So go ahead, Joe, if you want to go first. You can go. Sure, yeah. So, so something to add to, right, is, um, you know, this 30 stolen base total is tied a lot to the on-base percentage, right? So he had a career-high 11.5% walk rate, and the on-base percentage was almost 400 at 395, right? So it kind of almost looks like this is an outlier in terms of walk rate, right? His career walk rate is 7.5%, um, so that's four point four percentage points higher. Um, and if he's not on bases often, he's just frankly not going to steal as often. So yeah, I think 20 stolen bases is like a real potential. Um, and that's not even, you know, that's not even his floor necessarily, right? His, right. Cause in, in years past, you know, he paced out for something like 20 home runs in a shortened season and or tw 20 stolen bases in a shortened season in 2016, but he was, you know, three years younger then. So, um, I, I, I'm with you. I never really liked Kane, and I definitely don't. Again, I hate getting a, pretty much a zero in RBIs. See, I I've always liked him, and I still do. And I like the I actually like the price here. So I think I'm kind of against both of you guys. The Brewers lineup is elite. They're probably a top 
seven uh, lineup in baseball. And he's, I think, 10 is the floor with him in a full season next year as, as far as home runs go. I think he's more of a 15 home run guy. And if he goes, if the, if the steals drop, like we all agree the home runs are most likely going to go up, right? Like we're all in agreement. Like he's not a 10 home run head. He's more of a 15, 16, 17, even maybe he might even hit 20 because he was hitting 15, 16 in Kansas city. Wait, let me ask you a question. Go ahead. So let's like take a step back, right? Forget about Lorenzo Cain. If I told you, um, you know, you had a player with a 400 on base percentage in a top seven lineup, like you said, let's say say seven, right? Top mm-hmm. seven lineup in baseball, right? And he only scored ninety runs. Would you be surprised? Well, he only had six hundred and twenty ABs, which isn't that many. So he missed some time last year. That's true. Um, okay. Yeah, but he's prone to missing time, and yeah. even if he's not prone to missing time, they were also prone to giving him days off. Yeah, you absolutely have to pencil him in for less at bats, but. Even even with less at bats, let's just say he does get six. Let's say he gets six thirty uh, this year. I like him for fifteen home runs, twenty five steals, and a three hundred plus average. But uh, my thoughts on Kane are he's a really good team comp piece. So uh, if you're lacking in batting average at this point, if you're lacking in steals, if you're lacking in both average and steals, he's perfect. Um, but 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 like you both said, it's really hard to swallow that RBI total, and that was my big issue with uh, Billy Hamilton in the past. Who, yeah, obviously. Uh, he's the guy that comes to mind because he had one year where he had like 14 RBIs. Yeah, and like that's, yeah, that's so good. Um, but 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 under 40, you're taking a you're taking a really big hit at a position that that usually gives like, you know, all the all these guys that we're gonna get to are all 70 plus. So you're getting half the RBI production. So you're taking a big hit there. Joe, I just want to touch on the OBP thing. I, I'm more convinced that this is a new norm for him okay. because he's outside of Kansas City. Um, you know, Kansas City was a very contact-heavy team in terms That's of true. their approach, and I think they likely encouraged him to swing the bat and be more aggressive. Um, yeah, and I mean, and he I, did. You're right. You're right. He dropped. He dropped the swing rate all across the board last year. So, yeah. yeah, that's that's valuable. So I, I think he's got the – because, I mean, the strikeout rates were always pretty good in terms of what Kane did once he is, once he once he acclimated to the major leagues. So I, I think that the pitch recognition skills were always there. I just think that was a strategic issue. And now in Milwaukee, they say, listen, we don't give a crap how you get on base, just get on base. And he's willing to take the walks. So, yeah, I mean, I don't want to make it sound like I'm – I don't think Kane is good. I, I do think that he's a good player. It's just, I think there are some reasons for concern here. I think there's a limited ceiling. And I think that the other guys that are going around him offer a little bit more ceiling and a similar floor hmm. in terms of overall value. Interesting. Okay. So number 20, David Dahl, 71.63. Uh, he was on a tear to close the year last year. And the power speed threat with the combination of cores has owners drafting him relatively high despite an injury track record. Are you buying at this price? And even if you're not, can you at least acknowledge there's a significant ceiling here? Joe, take us off. Yeah, so Dahl, I think, is also sort of like a team comp um, thing or team comp player, right? Like if you have if you have a lot of safety in your, you know, 
what are we at? Like four or five rounds already. Um, I think rolling the dice on Dahl is okay. Um, it's Agreed. not some. It's not something that I'd really be probably interested in doing it in a vacuum. But the upside is particularly very big, right? So his barrel rate was upwards of nine percent last year. And just for comparison, Charlie Blackman's is I think six point eight percent, and Charlie Blackman in Colorado six and a half percent. Right, the year before it was eight. Stop talking bad about Charlie Blackman. No, no, I'm not. I'm not talking bad. I'm not talking bad. So, right, so Charlie Charlie Blackman, right, in Colorado is a thirty-plus home run hitter. So, with with that many barrels in Colorado for Dahl, I mean, the sky's the limit for him. And he has the he has a minor league track record to follow. Um, You know, Pat, you mentioned the injuries. Some of them are soft, soft tissue. Some of them are flukes. Um, so he is definitely on the more injury-prone side. And he also has some issues um, with, with uh, you know, rather limited walk potential. Um, he, he does strike out a little bit, but it's not so bad at 25%. Um, I think there's going to be some growing pains, but at the end of the day, if he stays healthy, you know, he can easily eclipse 30 home runs in Colorado and throw in 15 steals to boot. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Joe, on this sort of being team comp in terms of, you know, what's your risk level at this point, and if you've you played it relatively safe, or you know, if you're if you've got some security in the guys that you've got, I think Dahl is an excellent pick. Um, you know, he's the presumptive cleanup hitter in cores. He's going to be sandwiched if he if that is his role. He's sandwiched between Arenado and Story. Um, we're looking at significant upside here: thirty homers, fifteen steals. 280 type average. There is a swing and miss component and he's got less than ideal plate discipline, but you know, we've acknowledged at this point in the off season that when we talked about guys like Javi Baez and whatnot, um, you know, there is a path for the, this sort of aggressive approach to work and we're better for it to work than cores where you're going to get the plus Babbitt or the benefit of the balls in play. And that's the sort of things that, that can mask um, a swing and miss issue for a player like Dahl who hits the ball with plenty of authority and plenty of barrels, as you said, Joe. So uh, to me, this is this might be the guy in this group that has the most significant upside. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, this is your swing Maybe. for defenses play. <laughs> but it's – it's it's a worthwhile risk to take if you can take it, in my opinion. Yeah, that's, that's so. I I love Dahl, and he could very well turn in a top thirty overall season. Like he's that type of player. He's got the power, speed, all that good stuff. But with the batted ball profile, what's the worst case scenario you guys think with with batting average, like in a full season? Like, do you? Because I, I I could see a situation where he finishes with like a two fifty five average, or no. You know what the thing is always like? It's just hard to guesstimate what the core's effect will do to protect him, you know? And he hasn't played a full season yet, so, like, it's hard to gauge, but, like, the way his, like, his approach to me, it and his OBP, like, I don't know, I just think he's a guy that could hit 250. Um, This is another guy that's got a zero. I I talked about this a lot with Alberto Mondesi, but he's got a zero floor, and it's not just injury. Like, there is a world in which David Dahl is hitting 220 in middle of May. Wow. So you, you would put the floor, you put his floor at 220. 
I would say there's a there is a world in which two months into the season he could be hitting 220 and be sent down. And then there's also a world where he could hit 280 and just be crushing. Absolutely. So he's although if he got if he got a full season worth of at bats, right? If he got if we could pencil him in for 620, yeah. I think his batting average floor would be like 250. Okay. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, you both are right. But, you're around there. But in a two month sample, he could struggle. And they can say, "All right, we've had enough." Um, you know, there's been some speculation. They might sign. They might sign Cargo again, and they plug in Cargo, or they call up Romeo Tapia, or or yeah, they boy, or they. This is the way that they get Rogers into the lineup. There's yeah. there's there's a lot of different paths that that this can go down. Um, you know, Ryan McMahon can play the outfield, whatever. It, but. There has been, there's not been a lot of acknowledgement of that sort of flaw for Dahl. It's been all injury, um, and 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 whatnot. But to me, this is also, you could get like seven bad weeks from him, and he could be in the minors again. So I'm going to end this real quick with Dahl. Is this um, my thoughts on him are that I love the upside. I, I think he he could easily go 30 home runs, 10 steals, and and hit for a good average, but I just, but if you if you combine injury with inexperience, I just don't see how you're taking him. He right now he's the hot guy, and people are going crazy over him because I thought this was going to be worse. I thought this was actually going to be a lot worse. What do you mean, as far as the ADP? The price, yeah. I thought the price was going to be like it's top fifty. I know, but but I'm forget forget ADP. It's just who he's going in front of. Like we've seen Marcelo Zuna have his good years, which is the next guy we're going to talk about. We could segue right into him, and like he's been healthy every year, and the team is better. And last year in a down, he hasn't year, been healthy every year though. Marcelo Zuna had a bad shoulder last year. Yeah, you know, like hiding in the Dominican Republic, and Cardinals don't know. The thing with the thing with someone like well. Marcelo Zuna too. Well. The thing with someone like Marcelo Zuna too is that he there there's a zero percent chance that he will provide, you know, fifteen stolen bases. I I get that. The upside is so much more. Even limited. though he probably should, because he's pretty athletic. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we. we no, is that it? Oh, okay. I mean, well, I, was you- gonna, I was gonna just say that I just. I'd rather have the guy who's played 150 games in the last three seasons, who's least last three seasons, who's actually done. So isn't that. isn't right? Isn't this like exactly my point? Right? Isn't it roster construction? It right? Is, if you is. have like if you have Carlos Correa and Adalberto Mondesi, don't take David Dahl. But if you have Gene Segura and you know another outfielder who I can't it's think of, Xander whatever. Bogarts, because you said yeah, Correa. fine, Xander Bogarts, right? Yeah, I'm you taking Puig. You, yeah, roll the dice. Take yeah, Dahl. What, what do you need Marcelo Zuna for? I'm taking Puig. I'm taking Castellanos. I'm taking Upton. I'm sure. Taking I mean, I'm taking Puig yeah, too. But mean, we're crazy about him. And you're and to your point about Azuna, I mean, Azuna's really only been great, really once. good once in three years. Well, last year he was in like five years. Well, last year he had like an insane stretch of games. I don't. We, we, if we're going by finalized seasons, yeah, he had one. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what counts, right? I mean, yeah, we don't, had, we don't had, look at these guys in six-week samples. We look at them over the course of 100 some Agreed, games. but he had one monster season in Miami. And last year was his first year in St. Louis. Now it's his second. He's a little bit more comfortable. And he has Goldschmidt, who is a huge, giant, probably one of the best 
boost to, that your lineup could possibly get. Um, and 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 don't forget how slow Ozuna started last year. Like he completely turned it around. Um, he had a monster second half. I'm gonna put the splits right now. First half was yeah, he batted 299 with 13 home runs. Like he had a really nice second half, and he started off the season terrible. Um, in March, May, and June, he hit no home runs. He was had a terrible batting average. I just I'd rather have Ozuna in any scenario. I think just based on the upside of what Goldschmidt brings to that lineup. And then you've got Carpenter. You've got other guys who get on base a ton. The, the counting sets are going to be there. I think the home runs are definitely going to go up. Like, I'm super confident that he's not a 23 home run guy. I think he's definitely more of a 28 to 32 home run guy. And it's going to come with a good average. So I'd rather take the short thing in Ozuna than Dahlon. It's not close. Yeah, I just don't think Ozuna is a short thing. But Well, no, a short thing as far as what? The only thing I'm sure about—I don't think I'm sure about anything when it comes to Ozuna. Uh, the only thing I feel good about Ozuna is that he'll probably compile more than—he's got a better chance of compiling more than Dahl. Yeah, but, right? he's got, but the shoulder, like the shoulder sure, is sure, really still, concerning. He still played. He still played six hundred. He still had six hundred twenty-eight plate appearances. Dahl has what? Dahl has like everything you have to worry about. Like he's injured everywhere. Yeah, the thing is always that Marcelo Zuna. I don't think I I. I think that the chances of Marcelo Zuna having a top, you know, twenty season again is smaller than Dahl. That's fair. Yeah, I agree. That's fair. So, so exactly. That's why I feel like this is to- this this comparison is all about roster construction. And then Pat is suggesting, right, that we don't even know what Marcelo Zuna is. That's You're why right. we called him the mystery yeah, box. Yeah, he is the mystery box. Right, because like I I agree with you, right? The 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 stack cast data right suggests that he's closer to a 30 home run bat right the hard hit rates have always suggested that he should be 30 plus home run power mm-hmm. right but we've seen what four out of five seasons where he hasn't been close yeah yeah and like i don't want to completely poo poo his unit i mean like, yeah i mean like, I like, said, like, <laughs> like the skills are there so like i mean I can I can totally see what you're saying, Nick, and I do. Like I, I personally haven't projected for like 30 bombs, but I've wavered on him throughout the off season as news has come out. And when you hear the GM of the card say, "Listen, we haven't spoken to him. He's in the Dominican Republic. We don't really know what's going on with the shoulder." Is that actually happening? So I did yeah. not know that. Well, but he did say that he's going to begin a throwing program in early February. So I don't know if he's doing yeah, that. Yeah, that's not great. <laughs> Not great, Bob. Yeah. Like, I, I just I, like that's that to me is a red flag. Now, again, circling back to what we said about Lindor, I mean, the situation is fluid, and if he comes in and he's playing on time, and the reports are all good, I'm gonna feel a lot better about it. But in this moment, I have no idea what to do with him. He's the mystery box. He's still the mystery box. It's ridiculous. He, he really is. He's hard to project. And, you know, you made a great point, Nick, about, you know, Goldschmidt and Carpenter. What else do you need? Um, it's it, it has the potential to be a very, very big season. Um, but, you know, this, again, this is a big glob of outfielders. And it's a, uh, he doesn't feel like the safest bet to me. And as Joe has mentioned now, the upside is also not quite there as it is with some other players like Dahl and like Puig 
where you can make your way into like a top 25 type season. Okay, let's move it to Eddie Rosario, 22nd outfielder, 85.49. Uh, steady Eddie, do you see some reason to doubt 280 and 25 with somewhere close to 10 steals from Rosario? Joe, I know you've owned shares and uh, watched him closely, so what are your thoughts? Yeah, right. The only the only thing that's frustrating with Rosario is like in head-to-head leagues, he is either ice cold or red hot. Um, a lot of this, a lot of this compilation that he did uh, in 2018 came over, uh, you know, probably a ridiculous eight eight week stretch. I think it was or so. He was just red hot, and then the the rest of the year he was pretty much ice cold. But that's neither here nor there in a roto league. Um, I mean, yeah, I, th- I think he is what he is at this point. Um, I think. He's probably going to be limited in running RBI totals because the Twins are just who knows what they are, right? I mean, we don't know what to project from Sano. We don't know if Kepler's going to take the next step. We don't know about Buxton. So there's just a lot of question marks. Um, But, yeah, overall, I mean, I have him for 25, 10, and like 160 or so runs in RBIs. Yeah, I'm I'm a little – optimistic on Rosario and I feel like the market is underestimating him a little bit. Um, he's got the Javier Baez um, skill set on plate discipline, uh, albeit less severe and he's not coming out of first round price. Um, Rosario had 19 first half homers and was hitting well over 300 and really fell off in the second half. I think this might've been an injury situation. Um, he was battling a quad in the second half. And they shut him down towards the end of the year. And I'm wondering if he was he had aggravated it earlier in the year and was just trying to play through it. Um, the line drive rate was down. The homer to fly ball was down. The hard contact was down. The ISO was down 100 points all after the All-Star break. Um, and, you know, the quad really sprung up in August. So I'm wondering if it was something that maybe happened a little earlier and then tried to play through it. And then they gave him 10 days and then, came back. You, you know what I'm saying? Like it just was something that was sort of lingering and nagging. Um, and you know, Joe, you mentioned the lineup, but you missed a name and it's Nelson Cruz and he's going to hit right in front of him. I would assume. Sure, and I did miss Nelson Cruz. So, I mean, I think there's some potential for the run production to go up as well. I wouldn't be stunned if this is like a 30, 10, 285 type bat. Now it's not going to come with the walk rate that you would like to see in OBP leagues, but it is going to come with a pretty good batting average, I think. I think he's actually a pretty safe bet to hit somewhere between 275 and 290. So I like the player a lot. I actually think that he's sort of the boring type that you can kind of take advantage of that's got a little bit more sneaky upside to him than people give him credit for. Yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of like with Pat on this. Um, but I wouldn't call him boring um, because what you said about the 3010, that's like – I have him projected for 2810 with a 285 average, um, and that's that's nice at this point. But what I think there's a lot of upside is the runs. Joey mentioned the lineup, but I actually really like the Twins this year. I don't know if you guys are with me, but this lineup is super underrated. The end of it is 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 rough. Like seven, eight, nine, Scoop, Buxton, whoever else is there is is hard to look at. But oh, but, but Buxton, but 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 Scoop is it? as an eight hitter is not bad. That's probably like where he should be. There's a lot of pop. Yeah, but none of that matters though. Like, cause like 
Rosario is never going to be on base by the time Bucks by the time Scoop comes up. He will be on base when Cruz, Kepler, and Sano come up, and CJ Cron. So like, there's guys who could who have a there's a lot of power in this lineup. Yep. Um, and I think this year there's more than ever. So I think there's a good chance that he could score 95 plus runs on this team. Um, I I don't. Where does he bat in the lineup though? Two or three? I don't know. That's an open question. I think he should be two. And I agree. That, I think Kepler should hit four. See, no, I would I would go Polanco, Rosario. Crone well, will probably hit four. Yeah, exactly. I would go Polanco, Rosario. I just believe in Kepler for yeah, always. Yeah, but Crone well, will probably hit four to Kepler. <laughs> I believe four. in Max Kepler actually, and his 220 average. Actually, it's probably Crone, Sano, Kepler. No, they'll they'll, sni- they'll they'll put Kepler in between those two. You don't want to go three righties in a row. True. That's just... Old school managing, they don't want to do that. Yeah, but I, but I, I like, I like Rosario. I like the ADP a lot as well. Okay, let's move it to Yasiel Puig, the guy that you guys have hinted at all night. We're finally here, twenty third overall outfielder, eighty five point five five. And I just want to mention, I didn't mention at the top of the show, these ADPs are from January first on forward NFBC. Um, so we go from steady Eddie to a mercurial talent entering a hitter's haven in Great American Ballpark. Do you think Puig can finally tap into his upside? We already know the answer to that. It's a resounding yes. Um, so, guys, tell me why you believe in Puig. As do I. You can go first, yeah. Okay, so I watched a shit ton of Yasiel Puig because it was incredibly, yeah, incredibly frustrating last year how slow he started. And, my goodness, it was like Gary Sanchez syndrome. He hit the ball so hard, and they just, they just never landed. Into fielders' gloves, line drives to outfielders. It was incredibly frustrating, and the Statcast backs him up, right? It's he had a ten point six percent barrel rate last year, right? That's no joke. That's 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 pretty darn good. That's upwards of like thirty home run power. Put him in Cincinnati in the band box. I mean, I, I I'm projecting thirty home runs easy. Um, I'm not sure if there's a, a whole lot more upside. I mean, I think there is actually. I do. I think there is. Cincinnati's a great ballpark. The lineup is incredibly deep. I mean, I know LA is deep too, but it's just not the ballpark that Cincinnati is. He's going to steal 15 bags. I mean, I, I, I think that he can easily hit, you know, 275, 280 with, with the, the better ballpark. And he'll also, he also should, uh, he should have the playing time. Um, I think that Kemp's probably going to bat against lefties. Wink, Winkler will probably batting against righties, um, and Kemp or uh, Puig will probably be playing at all times. So yeah, Henry Winkler, the Fonz. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think Winkler. I think Puig, I think Puig, <laughs> Sorry, I, I actually think Puig may end up in center. <laughs> I'm not sure how well that's going to work, but that aside, I mean, I'm, I'm with you, Joe. I, I think thirty fifteen is a. Um, it, it that that is somewhat of an upside projection. I've got him a little lower than that. I've got him at like 27, 28, 15. Sure. Um, and right around 270. But yeah, there's there is a serious case for upside here. Um, inside one of the best lineups in baseball, inside one of the best ballparks in baseball. Um, you know, you're looking at Joey Votto, you're looking at Eugenio Suarez, you're looking at Scooter Jeanette. It's oh my god, it's it's so it's, good. Lo- it's loaded. So and since Puig 
maybe playing center, his playing time is really not in question here. Um, I'm, I'm completely on board. I mean, the second he got moved to Cincinnati, I said to myself, oh, man, because it's not, it's not even just about the lineup. It's about the way the Dodgers situated their lineups. Puig was at times. Oh my Joe, God, correct me eight. if I'm wrong. Hitting eighth. Eight. Yeah. So I mean, you're you're talking about a guy that that's a potential premium talent that's hitting towards the back of the lineup. That's not going to happen anymore. He's not going to lose volume that way. He's not going to lose a lot of volume in getting moved in and out of the lineup. So that way, um, you know, guys like Kiki Hernandez can play. Um, the, the, the Reds aren't going to do that. So I think that. Quig is a pretty safe bet for volume. Now he is in the last year of his deal, so you do have to worry about a trade at some point. But even then, I mean, you know, it, it, you, you you can't worry too much about that kind of stuff. And if he does get moved, presumably it'll be to a fairly successful team uh, with a pretty good offense. So yeah, I'm I'm completely on board. I, I, I he's towards the top end of this range as well for me. So I have him projected. I'm going to come out and say it. I have him projected for 35, 20. 75. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fine. I think um, that's like his 100% outcome, but yeah. All right. Um, so, what, first of all, where do we think he is, is in this lineup? Five. Yeah. Are you confident in that? Fairly. Because, all right, so who's batting leadoff, Peraza or Winker? Winker. Not, uh, well, Winker against Freddy's. Okay, so they're gonna they're gonna split that because I think Kemp's gonna yeah I think Kemp will bat against lefties. All right, and then Jeanette Votto Suarez and then Quig five. Winker Votto Suarez Jeanette Quig. Okay, so yeah, five and five would be would be fine on this lineup. But um, listen, the the reason why I like him and you guys pretty much covered it all, but um, he's only had six hundred plus at bats one time in his career. That was twenty fourteen. And not only do the Dodgers or the Dodgers crazy with their lineup and their players, um, but he was also in a lot of, uh, you know, in and out personal turmoil with the team uh, throughout the years where he was benched a lot and yada, yada, yada. Um, this is, if he eclipses 600 at bats, he could be scary. Like that swing is insane. He's a brick shithouse and he could run. And I think 260. Like 260 is like his worst case scenario average. I think he could hit like up to 290 in, in, in any given year. Um, he knows how to take a walk and he doesn't strike out much and he makes a shitload of contact. So, sky is the limit for Puig. I don't see how you would or why you would gamble on Dahl over Puig. I agree. I like totally, that's, 100%. That's where I'm kind of like really, I, I, don't, I don't get that. I don't um, disagree with you. No um, one here disagrees with you. It's the cores effect, I guess. But um, and then yeah, but it's great American. Yeah, exactly. But uh, but Coors is Coors stands alone. I think. Honestly. So let me ask you guys: How high do you have Puig? I have him at. Hold on, hold on. Okay, I have him at thirty-six. Overall, you're higher yeah. than me, definitely. Thirty-six overall. Uh huh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I wish well, the listeners could have just seen Nick. Oh, I, my God. I'm not getting bleed. Damn. <laughs> Nick looked like looked like his world just came apart. There's no way. I don't know, Joe, you, you're, you, are, you are not going to put your money where your mouth is. 
If you have, we're we're in a we're in a fourteen keeper league, so that would mean that Puig would be your third round pick. Your on your turn, you'd be he'd be behind. If you take him with that pick, I will be shocked. The reason I probably won't is because there will be players there that I have ranked ahead of him. Okay. I would love to know you have, who you have ranked ahead of him. But, but you better, well, you so better, Nick, take, him where, in, you better take him in round four, right. maybe. All right, so, Nick, where do you have him? I have him at 52. Yeah, I'm closer to you. I don't have it up in front of me, but, yeah. I'm, I'm in – I said – I think I said Fam was, like, 53. So, Puig is probably, like, 55, 56 for me. So, I'm the low man. But, I mean, in any event, we're, like, 30 – in the worst case, we're thirty picks above the yeah, eighty. Oh yeah, that's that's crazy, man. That's on your. I, I wouldn't expect that from you. You're usually the safer one out of out of us. Oh, what did I tell you, Nick? Oh, you. He's a different man. He's drinking beer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> drafting with risk. Thirty six <laughs> overall. You said you maniac. Yeah. Oh man, I'm. You're you're gonna burn me at that pick. I know it. <laughs> all, right, I, all right. All right. Go ahead. Let's keep it moving. So. Let's move from major upside to two guys we would probably consider relatively safe. No. 24th, Nick Castellanos, 87.23. Or Mitch Hanniger, 25th, 89 even. Good players stuck in bad situations that are similarly priced. Who do you like better among the two? Nick, take us off. This is tough. Um, but I'm going with Castellanos. Uh, we've... I've liked Cassianos for a while. We've we've always predicted that he would have this big year. And last year, I guess, was kind of it. But 23 home runs is just kind of boring. Uh, the 28, 298 average is nice, but he had a 361 bad bit. So I don't think he's going to hit 298 again. I have Cassianos projected for 25-plus home runs and a 280 average, which is super safe. And I, I think like his floor and average is like 275. Like his floor, well, his floor and average is like 270. Like worst case scenario, worst case scenario, 22 home runs. So yeah, he might be a little boring, but I think he does have some upside as far as the pop goes. Uh, Mitch Haniger, I'm not even gonna get into because Pat's probably gonna talk for an hour with him. But I'd rather have Castellanos uh, over Haniger. I would rather have Haniger over Castellanos, but it is by the the smallest margin. Um, I think that with Hanniger, the stolen bases are nice. Um, you're not getting that much more in batting average in Castellanos. Um, I mean, at, probably at most it's like 15 or so points. No, but it can if be you as, are. If but, you are. Yeah, it can be as small as like, you know, five points. Well, I think, I think Mitch is going to end up with a better average regardless. I don't think so. I think Castellanos has a better hit tool overall. But – um. Yeah, I think well, it depends on what, how you define hit tool. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, so, I, I disagree with you about that, but go ahead. Okay. So, I mean, the, the, the stolen bases are there with Hanniger, and I think I just feel better about projecting the runs in RBI total with Hanniger as opposed to Cassianos. I just think that the lineup one way or another is going to be better in, in Seattle than it is in, in Detroit. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Joe. I mean – I think that as far as the the run production goes, I think that um, I give Hanager a slight edge there. Um, I think that the stolen bases will certainly be higher. 
I think the average will be comparable. I'd give a slight edge to Castellanos. Um, but the difference maker here is the speed. I mean, they're both roughly 25 homer bats. Mm-hmm. They're both guys that are going to hit somewhere around 275 to 280 in their median projection. So you take the guy that's going to get you 7 to 10 steals over the guy that's going to get you zero. And just very briefly with Hanniger, I, I do think that there is some upside for him to go from like an 8 to 10 steal guy to a 12 to 15 steal guy, considering the situation. Um, Seattle's lineup and their expectations are obviously much lower this year. Um, you know, they're not, they're not trying to compete. So I wouldn't be stunned if they tell Hanniger, listen, if you want to run, run. But he doesn't, um, have, he doesn't have the speed, though. Like, he's more of just like a but good he's, But he's a really good base runner and a really yeah. smart player. Yeah, I mean, as opposed to Castellanos, who has, like, zero range. Yeah, I'm actually I'm, – and I'm, and I'm switching. I, I probably take – more I'm looking at it right now, I'm probably taking Hanniger over at Castellanos. Like, Castellanos has no ability to run. Yeah. Like, Hanniger – Hanniger's, like, top end is probably – 290, 27, 15. 290. So there again? 290, 27, 15. Uh, yeah, but he, but, and he, he could hit 30. He could hit 30. And I guess. Oh, whatever. Right? But whatever. Yeah, it's. It, when I say 27, it, it implies 30. But okay. you know what? I was, I was referring more to the stolen bases. Like, I think, I think there is a little bit of upside there in terms of the speed. I think that he. Can run more, and I originally had him projected for eight. I think I'm going to push that up to twelve um, because I, I think that hitting in a lineup that's not as good as it was last year, and on a team that's not as good as it was last year, they'll be a little more willing to let him run freely. Okay, twenty sixth, Justin Upton, ninety seven point three four. To me, I think this is really good value. Oh my um, god, yes. Is it okay? So, is it just old and boring, or is the market ahead of the curve? Joe, you obviously think it's old and boring. Tell us why. Yeah, I mean, right, we're looking at a player that's going to be, you know, upwards of 160 to 170 runs in our RBIs, but there's still more potential, um, depending on how much of Otani we see. You know, he's going to be a 260 hitter with somewhere around 30 home runs and. 10 bags or so, you know, maybe eight stolen bases, whatever. Uh, what's there not to like? I mean, that's like pretty much just what we said about Mitch Hanniger, but it's super safe because you know where you're getting. This, this is hands down the best value of any outfielder so far, um, and it's not even close. Uh, all the guys that we just recently spoke about, all we keep saying is upside, what if, injury, yeah, exactly. what if right? and there's none of that. And I've been an Upton guy. At, I am the Upton guy in this group. I own him like every single year in our league. And it's the same deal. Close your eyes. He's Mr. 3010 plus every single year. And if he gives you those years where, you know, every now and then, it's like every other year, he'll give you that 265, 270 year. Then it's it's money in the bank. It's thirty ten two seventy, like, and 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 this lineup has more potential. Exactly. That, that's what I'm like. saying, right? Like, I think I think you know, you glance at it and it's like, oh, eighty eighty five last year. You know, that's what Castellanos and Hanniger did. Yeah. I, I think you're selling yourself short there, and I think he could still eclipse, 
you know, 95 runs or so in this lineup. How much time did Trout miss last year, approximately? I'll look it up. And, and while, go ahead. Well, while Joe looks it up, I mean, uh, you know, I just want to echo what you said, Nick. I mean, we, 20, we got, 21 games. Yeah, so, and he missed 21 games, and Otani was in and out of that lineup. That's so what like, I'm saying, right? So while that was happening, there was there's no one else there when those two are not in that lineup. And, yeah. he still, and he still produced 160. Well, and, and you had one of the worst starts of any player in Major League Baseball on Cole Calhoun, who actually sure. rebounded very quietly Yes, from, like, June <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, there, there are several circumstances here where Upton would – this was probably the lowest-case scenario in terms of his run production. Yeah, this is, like, the, the absolute floor, I think. Why is he this low? Like, this is – because he's old and he's consistent, and God, that's just—he's not even old. He's thirty-one. It's like it's like that's just the way it is, you know. Yeah, you get you get eyes glazed over, man. Crazy. Yeah, I mean, but like, all you have to do is go back and listen to like the last forty-five minutes when we, all we've said, like like Nick pointed out, it's 20510. That's this guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, Seriously, like, that is who he is. Like, this is pencil it in and forget about it. Yep. So, I mean, I, I, I don't understand why there's this level of differentiation between him and these guys. I, like, I, I think he belongs up there at the top end of this group. Easily. Yep. Oh, do you guys have your ADPs for him in front of you or no? I do not. All right, I have, I have him at 58. I would imagine he's probably – in the 60s for me. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, like 58, 59. Yep. Okay, since we're all, we all think Justin Upton's underrated, let's move it to Malik Smith, 27th, 97.78. Speedster broke out last year and is slated to hit at the top of the Seattle lineup. Is this the Billy Hamilton redux, or do you think there's more to Malik's than just empty speed? Um, so I'm going to go first because I haven't, I don't know if you guys have spoken about him yet. So I'll go first and I'm curious to see what you got, how you guys, uh, rebut. Um, so I really like Malik Smith a lot. Uh, I think that the, the batted ball profile, the OBP, I think that his upside for stolen bases, I think he could easily lead the league in stolen bases. Like he's crazy fast. He's got the opportunity now. And like Pat said, the lineup is not that good at all. So, like, they may run more than the Rays last year because the Rays were pretty good. Um, and the Rays honestly don't run that much. Like, they've got – they've always had these speedsters in Kiermaier. They never used Kiermaier to his full potential as far as stealing the bases. But now, Malx is going to be the top at, at the one spot. And with that OBP, if he's anywhere near 367 again, which I do think it comes down a little bit. I think he's more of like a 345-ish type OBP. But even at 345. A guy that, that is this fast, is it's rare. It's rare in the league to have a guy like this because he has Jared Dyson, Billy Hamilton type speed, which is like the next echelon of speed. And um, I, 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 I would not be surprised to see him steal 50 bags this year and also hit five-plus home runs. Um, I would not compare him to Billy Hamilton at all. He doesn't strike he's, out. He's definitely not, yeah. Yeah, he doesn't strike out, he doesn't strike out much at all. He knows how to take a walk, which is a beautiful thing. Um and I think he's got some sneaky power. I think he could even eclipse five home runs, which, 
you know, five is whatever, but it's not a dead zero. Um, so I, which is what D Gordon gives you. I, I, I love the kid, and I really like the ADP. When you compare it to Kane, this is, I think this is a lot better. Um, now, granted, right? Kane gives you the ten or twelve home runs that Mal Smith probably won't, but Nick, right? You know, maybe Smith hits five. Okay, so that's not so bad. But you know, we're talking about how much, how how many picks difference? Let's see. Smith is ninety-seven, and Kane it's approximately thirty picks. Thirty picks, right? So I don't know. They're both going to be largely zeros and RBIs. Um, so I don't know. I think I, I like Malik Smith here better than Kane. I'm still, I, it's still really hard for me to take someone that's well, a zero on an RBI. I, I don't so. think he's a zero on RBIs just because he's in the AL. I mean, that's the reason why Kane is going to be so low on RBIs. Um, but, and I don't know if you could comp them just because the teams are so completely different. Like Kane's going to get so many more runs. Um, he has a better track record for batting average, whereas Malik Smith, I think he's going to take a little bit of a dip in average. That's all true. That's all true. Right, but if you're looking for the player, uh, I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right because the, the home run total for Kane is just a lot more. Yeah. I don't know, but at the end of the day, I just can't fa- I can't fathom taking a player that's such a sink in RBI here. But it's, it, why is he? why do you feel like he's such a sink in RBIs? I mean, how well, many RBIs? Like, how many RBIs is he gonna get? Yeah, he's batting well, one, he's, and he's not a slugger. But there's plenty of bad. Look at, look at what Mary. I mean, look at what Maryfield. Look at other. Like he's just yeah. Maryfield, Maryfield hits, hits like like, and he hits like twelve home runs, ten home runs. Yeah, I just right, and he's got and he's he's got a more slugger profile. See, to me, to me, the issue isn't the isn't the RBIs. It's well, I mean, I guess it's correlated, but it's it's the power. I have a lot of trouble taking a guy that hits like five homers. Yeah, I mean the both of them, right? I mean we're it's talking, really we're talking about like zeros here. It's really hard to make up for that. Like Nick, why? Yeah, but, give me but, give me a good reason why you'd rather have Malik Smith over like Garrett Hampson if you're looking for stolen bases. Well, Garrett Hampson, the, the past playing time is an issue, but sure, where, where Malik has none. But what like, about Inciarte? No, no, well, look, hold on, hold on. Inciarte, we don't know where he's going to be in that lineup. And um, when he moved from that leadoff spot, his stolen bases literally just stopped. Like, stopped completely. Yeah, but you weren't concerned about that when it came to Acuna. Well, because Acuna didn't go from one to eight. Acuna went from one to, what, three, two, four? One to four. Okay. But, but, but listen, let's hold on, let's, hold on a second. I just want to I want to compare Malik Smith to D. Gordon. Can I finish? Can I finish? Okay, finish. Perfect. All right, so D. Gordon has been a yearly overdrafted bum, right? Yes. Every year he's overdrafted. That you, that you loved. Well, I liked him back when he was on steroids. He stopped taking steroids, <laughs> and he wasn't good anymore. Um, You're going to get his band. Give him the juice. From the um, airwaves. As far as, as far as Malik Smith goes, like, bottom line is this. If you have – the way I look at it is we don't I – know, I know me and Pat, I'm not sure about you, Joe, but I really try not to take steals too much into consideration when I start a draft. Yeah, Whereas, of course. That's, that's, that's our motto. That's the okay. FWO motto. Okay, so you're with us on that. We're the poster so, children. So, yeah. so if we're rolling, right? Forget steals and forget saves. Forget steals, forget saves. So if we're rolling through the draft, right, and we keep getting these values, like, all right, we just took Puig the round before. We just took Upton the round before that, et cetera, et cetera. And all of a sudden, we look at our team. We're like, 
we really don't have steals. And, and you come across Smith in the ninth round, which is his ADP. This kid, none of us here can debate his sprint speed. It's the kid is crazy fast. And the fact that who else at this point has that kind of speed with this kind of OBP? Nick, Nobody. Nick, that's the thing though, right? If we just took Upton and we just took Puig, right? We're compiling stolen bases. No, 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 no. All right, so, no, all right bad examples. Forget Upton and Puig. I'm just saying if we compile a team with not a lot of stolen bases, this guy – you could swallow the RBI, which I don't think it's going to – I don't know why you keep saying that it's going to be so low. I don't think it's going to be that low. Like, he's a leadoff hitter. I think he'll be around probably 50 RBIs, which is not good by any means. But he'll have 90 runs scored, which if – could- If I'm taking him, I need to have banked a Stanton or a Judge or a Chris Davis – And a Cruz. To have made up – for what I'm going to lose in the power. Okay. Well, that's a good point because. And, so and it's protect- a team construction thing. All right. So if you have Chris Davis on your team, you took Chris Davis with third overall pick, and then you take Malik Smith at his ADP. Third overall? No, third, oh, third uh, round. <laughs> third, pick, round. Sorry, third round pick. So if you take Chris Davis at his ADP in third round, you take Malik Smith in his ninth round, and you combine the two, you're getting. 50 home runs, 40 to 50 steals, and a 270 average. Well, not that high, but yes. What? What not that high? Well, the two of them, two of them together are going to hit like 265. Well, Chris Davis is in about 247. Listen, listen, the deal deal is always the same thing that I say, and that's the standard deviation between teams on stolen bases is just not high enough to warrant having all these stolen bases, right? It's just it's just not valuable. I disagree with you completely. I don't disagree with you, Joe. I'm with you. I'm not I'm not for stolen bases, but it's 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 he's different. Like he's not like Billy Hamilton and he's not like D Gordon. Like this is a different player. He gets on base. He had a who he had a 367 OBP. No one so all right. No one here is arguing. No one here is arguing that he is different than Billy Hamilton. Andy Gordon. Andy Gordon. No one's arguing that. We're arguing that having a player with a lot of stolen bases and not very good in and RBIs and home runs is not worth taking. That's what we're arguing. But, but he but he gives you average he's gonna give you average and OBP and well, so runs. did D Gordon. But it doesn't he? matter. But it doesn't and, matter. And, 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 I think, and I think five is not. It's it five, five is zero. Dude. And five two, is not. It deal. might as five, well be zero. Five is five away from Lorenzo King last year. And two, and in, in in favor of Malik Smith, compared to the Billy Hamiltons and D Gordons of years past, this is some fifty to sixty picks later than they went at their peak. Yes. Yes. But that's my point. That's why I like the ADP. Like, I don't know. I just, I just, I, I like it a lot. I think, I think if you, uh, I think it, it, again, it's, it, it's a team construction thing, and then I think we should move on. And that's just if we're, if if you're in a situation where you've gone through the draft and you just do not, you haven't accumulated the steals like Joe and I are talking about, then he becomes almost a necessity. If if you are in a situation where you've managed to piece together a bunch of guys that are going to steal seven, eight, nine, ten, fifteen stolen bases, it's you moot. don't have to take yeah. this pick. It's just moot. Yeah. 
because you banked them enough. And then a 25 steal guy is just as valuable as Malik Smith at that point. Yeah, right. Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, right? But, like, Nick, imagine you do that, right? And you accumulate stolen bases. You know, you chip away. And then you get and then you get Malik Smith, who puts you at first in stolen bases, right? But you now you're so far behind in in, in home runs and RBI. It depends on the team comp, but okay. Okay. And he's much more valuable in Roto Leagues. No. Yes. Yeah, I disagree. How could you disagree on that? Because I said I, I, the point I mentioned before the point. that the standard deviations of teams is not that large. Okay. All right, let's move to Victor Robles, 28th, 104.31. So his injury may have allowed Juan Soto to happen last year, so we thank him for that. Um, Robles came up at the end of the year, was very good. Um, provided Harper does not resign with Washington, do you foresee what do you foresee from Robles? And do you think this is overpriced? Uh, we discussed him with respect to the labor draft earlier. Nick, where are you on Victor Robles? Yeah, yeah so Nick, I, I'm, I'm curious. I, I, I love him. Um, and it, I, more importantly, I love what the Nationals have done with like every single one of their prospects that they've ever had. They are, if you look at their track record for bringing guys up, like it's, it's ridiculous. Every single highly touted prospect that they have ever owned has come up and achieved in the in the bids. Um, and I, I don't think it's going to stop with Robles. Um, he's got a good hit tool. He gets on base a lot for a guy that's this another guy that gets on base a lot and could run. Um, he's got some pop. He's got a lot of speed. I, I love him. The only problem issue I have is where he's going to bat in the lineup. Um, if Dozier comes out and plays well, and Zimmerman is playing well. It's going to be tough to crack the top stick. I mean, Eaton is, Eaton is, Eaton is, if when he's healthy, he's the leadoff guy. Um, and if he's not the leadoff guy, then they're going to put Turner there. And they're going to move Rendon and Soto, and they're going to move guys down. So the only issue I have with him is 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 uh, where is he going to be in the lineup? Other than that, I think he's going to be great. I like the ADP, um, but I think for me, maybe I have him. 10, 10 picks lower. I have him significantly lower than this, and it's for the reasons you mentioned, Nick. I mean, he's he's a player that, as of right now, is probably ticketed to hit 7th or 8th in this lineup. And if you're, you're hitting 7th or 8th, you're just not going to get the volume of plate appearances that you need to produce a high-quality steals total, a high-quality run production total, um, I, I do like the talent a lot, and if you want to just strictly say, fine, talent rises to the top, that's fine. But this isn't a talent rises to the top price. This is the 29th outfielder off the board. This is a starting outfielder in three outfielder leagues, and it's your third outfielder in five outfielder leagues, which means you're really counting on him to produce. And his path to the top isn't, uh, you know, super clear as you mentioned there's a lot of names here so i mean all right fine everybody says fine adam eaton will get hurt again okay fine but if brian dozier is going good he's a logical fit in the two hole and then robles only moves up to sixth or seventh in the lineup and robles in terms of pure skill at this point i mean it, it, the upside is probably like starling Marte in terms of like you know yeah, 15 30 275 type and this is like a one i don't want to say 100 percent outcome but like a 90 
percent outcome. So, I mean, it just, it feels like we're trying to chase after um, Juan Soto a year later, even though they're very different players. It, very it just, different. It, if, but you get the idea, like you're chasing after the elite prospect pedigree and the elite production that it will come with. Um, and there's just not really a really clear path there. And I just can't pay a top 30 outfielder price for a player that's going to hit seventh or eighth. Yeah. And if you're, if you're drafting like tomorrow and they sign Harper, there's no path to playing time. Yeah. This guy is, this guy's shot. Yeah. He's going to be a utility player. So, um, he's not, they're just going to send him down. Yeah. They're going to send him down. So you'd be, you'd be completely assed out. Um, and I, what? Oh, I just had a question for you. Go. So what, uh, what's your, like, let's say he gets 550, 600 plate appearances, mm-hmm. right? Let's, let's just assume. How many home runs do you, do you think he'll get? Um, between 10 and 15, maybe. I would, I would go on the lower end. I would go, I would go with 10 home runs and like okay. 22 right. steals and like a 270 average. Okay. Like we're, we're like really close on that because, you know, I I hate to be like the like kind of crap on him a little bit, but I don't really see the like the home run pop yet. I mean, he it might be there in the future, but he's, he's still just twenty one too. I know, I know, I know, and that's what I'm saying, right? But like right now, like, yeah, I, I don't I don't see it. Like the swing doesn't look look like a slugger swing. It's no. it's it's really not mechanically um, conducive to to home runs, you know. So like there. I think there's even a shot that even if he played, you know, 600 plate appearances or whatever, he hit something like eight home runs and like 822, 823 is just not not worth it here. I mean, at all. Yeah. So I, I'm I, out too. I, you know what? I'm probably pushing him more down too. I, I, than ten lower. I, I think I think Bryce has a 50 50 shot. But now I think it's actually more. I think he, I think it's like a 50 chance of signing back in in Washington. Um, yeah, I mean, I have him 11, 11 outfielders later. Okay. I mean, all you have to do is listen to the next three guys we're going to talk about. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so- and, he, and even Eloy himself, right? I think, I think oh, I'd probably Eloy. rather roll the dice on Eloy. I think, and I think Eloy's the better, not just the better player now. I think Eloy's the better future player. E- yeah, I tend to agree, dude. Eloy's, Eloy's really, really, really good. I but- think this is just a case of chasing steals. I think at their peak they'll be comparable, but I know I think Pat I think Pat nailed it though. I think I think they're I think people are looking at it like they're throwing Soto in the conversation, like look yeah. what Soto did, and they're completely different players. Completely. And and chasing steals, I think that's part of it. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, because yeah, people love steals. Okay, let's move to the 29th outfielder, Joey Gallo, one hundred six point eight three first base eligibility. So I asked Toby from Batflip Crazy when we did the first base podcast, and now I'm going to ask you this. How do you build a winner with Joey Gallo on your team, and what do you think of the price overall, Joe? Uh, yeah, so we were we were just watching the labor draft, um, and someone someone had taken Yelich, Harper, Albies, Brantley, and then decided to take Encarnacion, and the next pick was Joey Gallo. And I think this that t- sort of team, Yelich, Harper, Brantley, Albies, and then he took Posey after, is the perfect team to put Gallo on. Mm-hmm. Um, you've you've protected yourself a lot in batting average with that team. 
and uh, Gallo fits in nicely. You get the home runs, you get the stolen bases, and you can totally eat the batting average at that at, with that team sort of comp. So I think like that is a perfect example. And he picked out of the four slot. So if you have a plan like that, you know, be my guest. Joey Gallo's Joey Joey Gallo's a target. We've talked a lot of last year about him mm. decreasing the strikeout rate, and Kenny gets to the magic number. I'm just not sure if he's ever going to, especially against shifts. Um, but it doesn't really matter. You just have to you just have to structure your team properly. So, so yeah, you mentioned some guys that would be good to pair him with. I think a good um, pairing would be like if you if you wound up taking Trey Turner early. I think Gallo would be a really nice guy to take um, at this point because obviously you combine the home runs and the steals, you're looking at you know 40 40 easy with your eyes closed. Well, no, more. I'm sorry, way more than that. Yeah, yeah, Turner hits home runs. Um, so and Turner hits for high average, so you're looking more at like um, 60. 40, yeah, if I was gonna say 47, 60 50, yeah, 60 50 with like a 245 average. Um, so that them combined makes a really nice player, but I still. I'm not giving up on Gallo as far as the upside with batting average goes. I do think there's a year where he can get to 220, which to me is the magic number. If he hits over 220, um, then then he's he's a really solid piece at this point. I think he's and I think he has more upside than 40 home runs. I know 40, um, you know, 40 is not too shabby. 40 is a nice number, but I still think he can hit 45 plus based on the the bat speed and, and the exit field, all that good stuff. It's just a matter of making contact and not striking out so much. So if he makes any more gains as far as the keys go, like last year he came back, um, you know, 1%. If he comes down another, another, um, I think we could see a nice jump in the home runs. I have him projected for 45 home runs and a 218 average, which I, I could live with that. But you have to have – you know, you can't. You, you have to. You can't have other low average guys in your team facility. He, he could absolutely kill you. He had one eighty nine in the first half last year. That's to me yeah. almost on a roster. And it's yet. not. It's not just low batting average guys. Like you can't have a team of two sixty guys, right? Like you have to have a team of two ninety. No, you've got to have multiple three hundred hitters. Yeah, yeah, right. Like you can't. You can't float with league average. You, you need to have Joey average. Votto and Daniel Murphy. You need to have yes. Brantley and yeah, yeah. You need to have those those types of players to be able to carry him. Um, the biggest thing that I think you need to keep in mind with Gallo is when we were talking about him last year. You know, we we noted the fact that he sort of improved as he went along at each level and got more exposed, and the K rate came down. And the K rate did come down last year, not That's a crazy. significant amount, yeah. but it came down, came down a tick. Um, but we, we, and a lot of people in the industry were saying, "Listen, there's, there's a scenario where Joey Gallo hits 240, and there's a scenario where Joey Gallo hits like 245. There's, and his average should be like 220." Yeah, the bad has got to go up. We've, no, well, we've sat here now and seen him hit sub 210 two years in a row. To me, the batting average upside is like 225 at this point. See, and, Nick, it's, it's easy. Sorry, Pat. I was just going to say, like, you can't, you, you can't project him at 225. You've got to project him at 215, 210, and account for that sort of outcome 
when it comes to Joey Gallo when you're putting together your team. You need to prepare yourself for not the ideal outcome. And I think a lot of people, when they draft him, are drafting him with 220 in mind, and they need to draft him with like 210, 205 in mind. But don't you think the average is a little unlucky based on no, the average? No, no. So, so that's, no, that's the five balls, man. Right, listen, listen. It's very easy to 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 make that argument, and that's no fault to you. And this is like a great, this is a great learning exper experiment, right? Because the problem with projections and estimators is that they're they're pretty, uh, generally they're pretty poor at outliers, right? And Joey Gallo is an outlier, so you know, it's easy to be like, oh, you know, league average is. 300 BAPIP, you know, he should be closer to 300. What if he's 280? Then he's like at two, 230. That's not how this works. That's not, that's not what I'm basing it off of. I'm no, I know. I'm just saying, contact. though. That, that's not how this – it's just not how it works, though. Because you can hit hard contact, but you can hit him right into shifts. True. And that's yep. exactly what happens. He's shifted all of the time. Yeah, but when your hard contact is at 50%, like – but Nick, think about it, right? But, but let me no, no, wait. I'm sorry. I'm going to interrupt. Who, sure. who, who else? Can you cite anyone who has like a 50% hard contact rate and and a two a sub 250 Babbitt like that you could think of offhand? Because I just can't think of anyone that like does that. It's just. It's kind of extreme. Like I, I just, I just think that. But that's the point. That's the point that Joe's trying to make is, is that Gallo is an extreme case, and you can't view him through the light that you would view a normal player that would have a fifty percent hard contact rate or you know a high forties hard percent hard contact rate. Um, he's prone to bad babips because he can be shifted. He's prone to bad babips because he hits the ball in the air a lot. So. Um, Salvador Perez was at 46% hard and a 245 BAPIP, and Chris Davis was at 45% and a 261 BAPIP. Mm -hmm. Cole Calhoun. What was Chris Davis? Chris Davis was 46% hard and 240, uh, 261 BAPIP. Okay. And Cole Calhoun was 44.5% hard and 241 BAPIP. Now, right, what does Cole Calhoun have in con common with, with, um, Joey Gallo. Lefty hits into the shift a lot. Yes, exactly. Right? Yeah. Right. So, so I don't know. Uh, I, I, I just don't I just don't know if, if yeah, if two thirty is like the median outcome. I think that's probably like the ninety nine percent. Yeah. That's I probably agree with you, that's probably like the the tippy tip top hundred percent. Do you do you do you guys like the ADP? I do. Yes, I do. I just think that there's a scenario where I've gone through the draft and I can't take him. Yeah. Okay. You know, if I've got, if I'm the team that's taking, and, and obviously if I'm the team that's taking Chris Davis, I'm not going to take Joey Gallo. But if there's like a scenario where I've ended up with like a lot of like 260, 270 types, I can't take him because I'm going to completely sink my batting average. See, and the other thing I, 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 I used to think about, like, I remember when, when Adam Dunn was around and like, I think about it with Gallo too is like, Obviously, it's it's tough to do the math, but like if you have, uh, how many starters do we have on offense total? Ten. In our primary league, ten. All right. So in a standard league, it's usually ten, right? No, I think it's eleven. 
Okay. Yeah. Or you more. Well, so, it depends. I mean, it depends on what your standard is. So let's, let's say eleven. So, so let's say let's say the ten guys that let's say five outfielder. It's like thirteen. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. So let's say that the ten guys that you have besides Gallo have a um, combined uh, two sixty five average, right? Mm-hmm. To, which which is about league average, probably. It's probably no, it'd high. Be below. It would be below in terms of fantasy. Okay. So yeah, that's way below. So fantasy is what then, like two, what seventy five? Two like sixty nine ish or so. Okay, so yeah. let's call two seventy. So if your ten guys are batting two seventy, how much does one guy against those ten batting two oh five really bring that average down on the year? A lot, a lot, really? dude. Yeah, man. One dude, guy. What does he? 10? So what does he do? He hits like, like thirty singles, forty home runs. How many doubles and triples? Probably. You know, a handful of triples at most, and how many doubles? You know, thirty. He's like, it's a complete sink, man. I don't know if he takes your two seventy average further down than two sixty five. Well, he does two sixty four. And did the math? I just did the math on my phone. Two seventy times ten. All right, Nick. So, so this is this is good. Wait, this is good. Don't go anywhere. Yeah. So is this is is that for you guys too much of a dip? Like uh, I'll tell you in a second. Yeah, it kills you, dude. That's but but you're adding forty home runs in the ten. That's round. that's taking you from an average, like like an, an average, average average offense. Yep. In terms of batting average, to probably bottom three. Okay, so um, right for in context, right ten ten teams, right last year the average. Average batting average for a team was 263 in okay. 2017, it was 268. Okay, and 2016, it was 270. So, Okay. Okay, let's move to Michael Conforto. 106.85, 30th overall outfielder. Really rounded into form in the second half. The team around him is improved. Do you think we could see the best Conforto year yet, or are you still wary of the average and injuries? You got to take this one, Pat. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I to me, I think the injury discount's a little baked in here. Um, I love Conforto, and that's not just the Met fan in me. I think he's got a great feel for hitting, above average power, good lineup around him. I see upside of like a 280 average with 30 bombs. Um, I, I think with the approach the Mets have been preaching as an organization, you do end up seeing the average tick up. And I think he's got enough pop that he's not going to suffer too much in the average department. Um, he's not going to offer much on the speed front, but I could see four categories with the bonus um, in OBP. So I'm all over him at this price. I completely agree. How, yep. Bottom line is this. How could you take Victor Robles over Michael? Oh, Conforto? my God. I don't know. That's, yeah, 0% chance. 0% yeah. chance. Um, I'm completely with you. And, we, and we've and we talked about Conforto every year. We've always talked about how we like him. He's just obviously gotten injured, yada, yada, yada. The Met lineup is pretty good this year. And yep. even last year when it wasn't good, he still had 86 RBIs, 81 um, runs, combined 160, which is – Magic number as far those, as those are, his, those are his projections. He was 78 82. 
Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was. Yeah. No, no problem. No. And as far as the batting average, I completely agree with that. Um, if you look at the projections for him, they might scare you away a little bit. Like these guys all think he's like a 250-ish um, hitter, but I, I don't know how where they're getting that number from. But he's got a great hit tool, and I see him more as a 275, 280, like Pat said. So I'm right on board with you, Pat. I like him for 32 home runs, uh, 275. With a chance of getting to five steals, which is a night, which is a decent number for him, and good counting stats all around. I I love Conforto with this price, love. And that's another thing that you need to keep in mind when it comes to projections. Not only are do they miss extreme outliers, like in terms of Joey Gallo, but they don't account for or discount change. Well, not even changes, but injuries. Got to remember, last year Conforto rushed back from a shoulder injury. He was terrible in the first half. He was gangbusters in the second half when he when he finally figured out, or or even just got healthy from from the injury to his shoulder, which he rushed back from. So and that in the second half he hit like two seventy. So I think the projections are missing on him a little bit. Like and like could the the one through four is so perfect for him too? Like Nimmo Larry, I'm guessing you think Larry's in the bat second or Cano? I think Lowry bats second. Cano is Nimmo? Do you think Nimmo's going to get all the at bats against lefties? I think to start he will. I think they're going to give him the opportunity and to he, try and, and figure it out. So. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I know. I, I mean, I, he's another guy that can slump on on base slump. But 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 my point is like those three guys OBP wise are friggin' money for Conforto. Like he's going to have a lot of RBI opportunity. I think he could eclipse hundred a hundred RBIs, and he'll have the runs too because. He's got Frazier, Ramos, and Rosario behind him. Like this is a, the, I think the Mets are going to be really good this year. Like they they could win the division. Yeah, this is a this is a good spot. I mean, this is a clean sweep. I'm I'm with you guys. I like the ADP. I like Conforto. I'm in. Yeah, too bad they won't spend the money and sign Harper or Machado. No, we're we're not going to. No, I disagree with you. We're not going to get him this uh, tonight. But you know, why would you take why would you take Robles over McCutcheon too? Please. Like, right. We're running. We're running long enough. We don't need to go with people off the uh, outline. <laughs> All right, sorry. <laughs> All right, so thirty-first. Will Myers, one ten point eight four third base eligibility. Do you think he can stay healthy in the outfield? And since neither of you are doctors, do you think the counting numbers will rebound enough to make him a four-category contributor? Will Nick, this is your guy? Will the thrill, my guy. Oh, I'm going to get so much hate on this because you guys just hate Will Myers. But do, do you – real quick before I start, do you hate the um the ADP this year because it's much lower? No, I like the price actually. Oh, very nice. How about you, Joe? Uh, Remember last year when you wanted to take Will Myers over Matt Carpenter in an OBP league? It's – um. What an idiot! <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's better – it's still probably not enough. I just don't feel very confident at all in projecting his plate appearances. Okay. Well, listen, that's fair. Um, I think that um, – listen, I, I, I've been extremely outspoken about Will Myers. I love the player. Um, he's – in a full season, he's easy 2020. You could, you could lock it up. Yeah. Um, and I think he <sighs> – Listen, you can't project whether or not he's going to be healthy or not. But I do think he is going to be healthy this year because, listen, besides last year, 2017 and 2016, back-to-back, he did play 650, uh, get 650 plate appearances, but he was playing, what, first base those those years? 
Yep. And then yeah. they went out and signed Eric Hosmer. <laughs> Friggin' idiots. Um, that was the worst move in the history of baseball. But uh, I like the Kinzer si- signing. Uh, I think Kinzer will be a big plus uh, at the leadoff spot. Um, it brings a lot to that lineup. Much needed veteran leadership, a uh, guy that could get on base a lot. Um, you've got Urias that's coming up, and you got Hosmer, who we hate him, but he gets on base. Uh, Fran Mill, I think, is going to take a, a step forward this year as far as pop goes. So I think the count, the, obviously the big knock on the, any Padres player has been the counting stats in years past, but um, even 2016, when the Padres had no one, he still compiled 99 runs and 94 RBIs. And in 2017, 80 and 74. So with this lineup, which I personally think is better than both those years, uh, I think he could easily get to that number again, which is 180 um, combined runs and runs and uh, RBIs. As far as the batting average and everything else goes, I, I think he is who he is. He's a 250 batter, um, 20 plus home runs, 20 plus stolen bases, and he takes a walk. I, I love him. I love Will Myers. Love the and the price here is ridiculous. I'll tell you what, Myers fits like the doll, the doll comp a lot, right? Like this is a team construction thing. Right, like if, if you need the safety at this point, I, like I'd much rather have someone like like Michael Brantley or Andrew McCutcheon, yeah. right? But if you're trying to go for the home run, then yeah, Will Myers is a good play. Agreed. I like both of those guys as well over over Myers as much as, much as I like Myers. I do like both of them over too. But like I again, right? I think like it's just it's just about construction because I don't know. I mean, Pat, you've mentioned this a billion times and Nick, you just mentioned it now, right? Like it's, it's just when he's not playing first base and he's, he's got to run in the outfield. He's just more prone to injuries. And it's, it's just hard to project them for 600 play appearances where he can pop 30 and 20. Cause uh, the talent's there. Joe, if, if there's been rumblings, I don't, I think there's, I think it's like 5% chance that Bryce signs in San Diego, but if yeah, he did, so. would the needle move for you in a big way or not too much? Well, would, he'd still he'd still have to play outfield though. Yeah, but I mean, just adding him to the roster. Honestly, no, because I I I think the talent is there. It's not a talent issue. It's just a playing time issue. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm pretty confident that if we get a full season or close to a full season of Will Myers, we're going to see close to 2020. And I think easy, yeah. And I I do think that the run production is going to go up a tick. I, I think Nick's right about the about the lineup being better. I, I don't think we know how exactly how it's going to be um, laid out at this point, but the talent is there currently and on its way as well. And, and I think they may add, like I, I could totally see Moustakas in this lineup. And while I'm not crazy about Moustakas in San Diego, he would certainly be an improvement over what they had last year. Um, so I, I think that things are looking up there. So yeah, it's a. There is some playing time concern, but I think that's baked in. Yo, Franchi. Yeah, I mean they have they have There's so a, many they have outfielders. A billion outfielders. They have yeah. a billion, literally. With Need to make a trade. All right, thirty-two. D. Gordon, one night, one twelve point nineteen. He's got second base and shortstop in five games eligible. Am I correct when I say that Malik's at ninety-seven and Gordon at one twelve can't both be good picks? And which side are you on, Joe? I mean, I just talked about how I didn't like Malik Smith, but I'd still much rather have Malik Smith earlier than D. Gordon here. Yeah, why? Because you like one-hitters instead of nine-hitters? Oh, my God. And uh, D. Gordon had 
stole um i forgot what we're calling it now St- stolen base rate i i can't even remember what we came up with but as far as far his his stolen base uh rate per attempt was the lowest of his career at 25%. That was the best part at all. <laughs> I, I don't remember what it was. But but based on opportunities, he, st- he stole less frequently than he ever did in his career. Um, I, there's just, I, there's nothing I like about D. Gordon. I have him like 100 picks later, easily. He had yeah. a 1% walk rate. Yeah, that that's the big... That's the big issue for me. Or the little issue. <laughs> it's, the 1% walk rate is insane. Two OBP, that's in um, Billy it's Hamilton territory. Scoop. Yeah, it's in Billy Hamilton territory. But I do think that there's a there's upside with D. Gordon, with, without a doubt. Um, he's still one of the fastest guys in baseball. I don't have his sprint speed in front of me, but I'm sure it's up there. He's probably top you know, 15, 20 guy. Um, as far as the lineup goes, I, you know, I would. I really would not. I know he's Pat mentioned though a one or a nine hitter. I would not be surprised if Gordon came out of spring training as as a leadoff man on this team. Like if he if he has a really good spring training, he has a track record and he's the veteran. Where I think they might just pull the trigger and put him at the one spot. Um, well, then it's Malik hitting too. Yeah, because Kyle Seager. If Kyle Seager continues to struggle, then you know you 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 maybe you. You, you nah, should no way, no way, no way. What? I mean, well, then it would have it to was be really bad last year. Well, then really it would bad. have to be the both of them, Mitch, and then Edwin, right? Or Edwin, Mitch. Yeah, because you know, well, who else would you put there? You can't put Bruce in the top four. Well, you can split. You can split the righties with Bruce, but see, nah, I think it's much more likely that Mitch bats second, Bruce bats four, and Edwin bats three. Yeah, see, I think that's the lineup. Yeah, that's yeah, it's possible. But my point is that I think there is there is a path um, for Gordon to get to the top of the lineup, which would obviously bolster his um his ADP. Where he's at right now, though, if he is gonna stick, like if we're drafting tomorrow, then yeah, I don't like the ADP because runs and RBIs are gonna be <laughs> atrocious at this spot. I mean, you're lo- you're looking at Billy Hamilton. This is him, except this lineup. Eh, it's just bad. It's just bad. So, yeah, I hate. I don't like the ADP. I'd rather have Malik Smith. I mean, I think Nick does make a fair point. Like, there is a world where D. Gordon hits closer to the top of this lineup. Well, I mean, all they need is a Malik Smith injury, right? Yeah, that or maybe oh, they do oh, hit the two insane. of them. Maybe they decide to go with the two of them one too. I mean, that is a possibility. It doesn't make a lot of sense. But yeah, <laughs> it's teams. Well, you laugh, Joe, but I mean, we've said this. I know. You're, I know. you're out on this podcast. Major League Baseball teams don't behave in rational ways. So they're they, getting better they, about it. They're getting better about it, but they but they may also say, screw it, we're just going to run with these two really fast guys at the top of the lineup. Uh, would you be stunned? Actually, I think it would be, honestly. I wouldn't be stunned. Um, but listen, it just I just want to make one point about the volume of plate appearances. So, I mean, if, if he's hitting ninth, He's losing approximately 200 plate appearances compared to a leadoff man. That's a lot. And that's a killer for a guy that requires volume to achieve stolen bases. It's good for any player, but especially for steals guys. So yeah, like, I mean, that's probably like 15 steals right there. Yeah. So like the upside is like more like 40 instead of 60 where it's been before. And that's without accounting for the fact that he's older, et cetera. So it, it's – it's really a killer if he ends up hitting nine. 
All right, Eloy Jimenez, 112.66, 33rd overall outfielder. He's the more reasonably priced Uber prospect. Now, I know we've talked about him a little bit tonight, but would you rather have him here or Vlad at his price somewhere in the 50s? Oh, that's tough. Um, I want Eloy. I don't think it's tough. I, it's it's. Listen, I do think it's tough. It's tough because you're they're completely completely different. Um, I don't like Vlad's ADP. Um, and I and I like Eloy a lot, but I honestly I still think I'd rather take Vlad there just because his upside is is like top you know, top 20 player in baseball, like top 30 player in baseball. Uh, and I don't know. That's a good question. Joe, uh, you know what? You know what? So I, I think I would have, rather have Vlad, right? That's one. And two, I'm going to take a, a page out of Nick's book. And I think that even yes. if even if Vlad sh- struggles a little bit, the name power yes. is going to carry so much that you can still move him for but, a better asset but, than I think him see, is. What I thought you were going to say, I was going to completely agree with you, is what you want is you take Vlad, hope he gets comes out of the gate. like Sure, of maniac, course. That's and obvious. And him obvious. for the world. Obvious, obvious. But if he doesn't, right? If he doesn't, I st- like if they both struggle, I think Vlad carries the, the, the higher name power and you can still salvage the ADP. Those are both excellent points, which I hadn't. It, it's it's it, listen. It's it's a, that's a very 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 good question, and it's understandable either way. Honestly, Eloy's a great player, and he's and he's polished, and I think he's going to come up this year, and he's going to be. I think he's going to translate really well into the majors. Um, you know, he doesn't he doesn't strike out much. He gets on base. He's got a little tiny bit more speed, I think, than people think, and then he's got the pop. Um, like, what do you what are your projections? Right, like mine's like two eighty twenty five. 280 batting average? Yeah. I think he could hit even higher than that. Um, I, I would project him in his first year, though, for like, I would say 285. You said 285? I said 280, 283, actually. I would, I would go with 285, 20, between 20 and 25 home runs, five steals, and, and good counting stats, because I actually think the White Sox have a little bit of an underrated lineup. Yeah, see, I, I've got Vlad. Uh, excuse me, I've got Eloy right around like two seventy five, twenty five in terms of what I would expect. Um, you know, obviously, I'm not expecting him right at the start of the season, but I, I, I'd rather have Eloy. But I think you guys made excellent points about the trade value of Vlad. But to me, I, I kind of look at this like: Would I rather have Rendon or an Eloy, or? Um, Vlad and Michael Brantley, and I think the answer is I'd rather have Rendon. See, I don't know about that. Wait, 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 wait. You said Brantley or Vlad? Oh no, Brantley I'm and Vlad. Vlad, and it's not even close. What are you taking? I'm taking Brantley, Vlad, and, Vlad, and it's not even close. No, see, I'd <laughs> rather have Rendon and Eloy. No, if you're if you're if you think that Brantley is that much better than Rendon. No, I think Rendon is a lot better than Brantley. No, that's my point. You, I'm sorry, I said it wrong. You think Rendon is that much better than Brantley? Yes, I think Rendon could win the MVP. Whoa! Wow. Where was that bold prediction yesterday or last week? It was somewhere on the list, but you're, you're buried. Nuts. dude. You're nuts. No, I'm not. No, you are. I'm really I mean, not. I, listen, I, I love Rendon, but 
and we we talk about his uh, his his upside with power and average and yada yada yada, but Brantley and Vlad or um, Eloy and and Rendon. Uh, Rendon. Dude, you're you're out of your bird, Joe. You're with me, right? Brantley and Vlad. I am with you. Yeah, it's not even close. It's I like don't know if it's not. I don't know if it's not. It's not even close. close but it's not close for me. I'd rather. Yeah, I'd rather have Vlad. It's not even close. Okay. All right, AJ Pollock, one fourteen point three four, presumed leadoff hitter for the Dodgers. Are the injury questions baked into this price enough for you? And what do you make of his skills? Mm, Pollock. So I've been the. I think the Pollock. Hater for a while, yeah, and, for the most I, was, part. and I was kind of right. Um, because I, I did not like the injury that he suffered, um, with the elbow, it was like severe. Kind of right, he played 100 and whatever games last year and went 21 16. Yeah, but, but he didn't return value, did he? Well, yeah. him plus replacement value probably did. Well, yeah, my, point, my, my point is, is that like I think you, 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 and a lot of people in our league had him way high on a pedestal. Where I, I just looked at 2015. Like there's, there's no way he's ever doing 2015 again. Like ever, 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 ever. And he hasn't even come close to even pacing out to those numbers again. Um, now he's in the Dodgers, and like same deal with Puig. This there's a lot of guys, a lot of mounts to feed on this team. If he gets injured at all, they they could afford to rest him because they have so many other guys that could they could plug into the position. Um, I, I but, but having said that, I do like the ADP a lot this year. I actually like it a lot. Usually, I just felt like he was overdrafted. He was like a fourth rounder, fifth rounder, year to year. Sometimes that one year he was like a second or a third rounder. But this is nice. It's post 100 picks, so you're in the ninth, tenth round in most drafts. And Pollock, if he's healthy, if he's healthy, he can easily go, you know, 20 home runs, over 15 steals, and a 260-plus average. Last year, he had 257. I think he's better than that. Um, I think he could get up or up over that 260 hump. So I, I like him. I like the pick here. But draft, draft with caution, number one. And number two, do not draft him and expect him to bounce back and get you any type of steals that he did in the past. I think that he's under a 15 stone base guy going forward. Yeah, I mean I I I, I like him. I like him this year. Um I think he's being drafted with the injury uh baked in, injury price baked in, which Agreed. is great. And so, you know, if he does get to 550 600 plate appearances, you're getting surplus value. And I think the thing that the that's being underrated here in the, his projections is the swing change, right? He definitely went through a swing change. He, he doubled his barrel percentage last year over his career. He hit 44% hard contact. I think it was, was it 44, 44 and hard contact. I mean, he definitely made a, a, a legit swing change, right? So given a full season, he's probably now closer to like a 28 home run hitter than a 20 home run hitter. Yeah, I agree with you, Joe. I, I think that he's undergone, um, a pretty significant swing change here. And as a result, I, I think you got to kind of, he's what he's going to lose in terms of the stolen bases. He's going to make up for in the power. Um, I, I don't think he's under a 15 stolen base guy, Nick. I think he's in terms of full season pace. I think he would be about a 20 steel guy. Now, obviously they're going to sit him a little bit and there is the injuries. So yeah, maybe he ends up under 15. Well, that's my point. Okay. All right. So I'm just, I'm clarifying your point. Yeah, yeah. So, but if he if he played 150 games, not that he ever would, but if he did, you would project him for more. 
I would predict, yeah, probably just over tw- like 23, 22, 24. Okay. All right, yeah. Can I, can I ask a question? I'm going to interrupt for one second. Sure. Um, Joe, you mentioned the swing change. Yeah. Um, and wh- wh- what's what's the evidence to that? Where are you getting that from? Oh, two, two, twofold, right? So the the um, launch angle was up over last year, but specifically the barrel percentage, right? It's at 10%. 10%. Yeah. Right? Because- I mean, in 2017, it was five 5.6. In 2015, it was 5.9. 2016 was a pretty limited sample. Yeah, that, yeah that's what I meant. Okay. And so 6% the- up in fly balls. Okay. Okay. And 5% up in pull percentage. So he was trying to hit the ball in the air more. He was trying to pull the ball more. Yeah, I mean, um, 2016 was 12 games. So that's like noise. Yeah. 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 Um, so I, I think that – I think there is – I think there's batting average upside here too. I think he could hit 270. Um, and obviously Dodgers' leadoff position is a, is, is, a, is a nice place to be. I mean, but even last year – if you took 21-13, um, which is the homer and steal total, you tack on something like five and three for replacement level value over the course of those 40 games, you're looking at like 26, um, 26-16, which is, a, which is a really nice piece. So, I mean, even if you factor in the replacement value into his projection, which I think you should, this comes out to a value. Um, so, yeah, I like the price here. All right, and finally, to wrap it up tonight, 35th overall outfielder Michael Brantley, 117.45, new home in Houston. Uh, showed he was still healthy last year. What are you expecting from Brantley, Joe? Yeah, so um, I think I think more, more or less the same stuff. Um, you know he's good for a good batting average. Um, he's not going to strike out too often. Um, he's going to put the ball in play. Um, you know, he'll probably bat five, which – did he bat five in Cleveland? Uh, I um, think he did for at least part of the year last year, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I, I think he's probably closer to like 80-80 runs in RBIs each, which isn't bad. Um, I, I mean, he, he, he's kind of boring at this point, and as long as he's healthy, he'll, he'll plug him in and he's good to go. See, I, I disagree with the boring thing. I, I, I think this is one of the best values of the entire draft. I didn't say it was bad value. I just said it was boring. Okay. Um, if he was drafted, if we were drafting tomorrow and someone took him in the sixth round, I wouldn't even say anything. Like, I'd be totally okay with it. Like, that's how much higher I'm okay with him going. Um, his strikeout rate last year, 9.5%, is just insanity. And the 364 OBP, I don't see how – I know we talked about it before briefly with how would, he, how would he crack the top three in this lineup with Springer, Bregman, Altuve, Correa, whatever, whatever. But um, with that OBP, that, that is just elite. Um, I, I don't know. At some point, I think he could find his way up there somehow. Nah, there's somehow. just no way. No? No, no way. Um, well – even if he doesn't, even if he is Bregman, is Bregman a switch hitter? He's not. He's not right. Correct. Okay. So even I could totally see Brantley just to split up the righties, man. No. Nope. Yeah, I agree. I don't think so, man. What? Why? Why not, Joe? Why? Because I think so. This has been Hinch's lineup now for like two years, right? That's one. And two, I mean, Bregman 
Bregman just had an absolutely monster season. Well, didn't Reddick hit like two in the lineup for a little bit? Yeah, for a little bit, and then Breg Bregman became Bregman. Okay. So, so, but why? But why are we like cementing Springer into this leadoff spot? Like, I think Springer's got a little bit of um, you know, he's been on the team for a while, and and Hinch Hinch threw him in the one spot, kind of like kind of out of nowhere, and it worked. Well. I don't know if it worked for him though. Like, I don't know. I, I, I guess you know what you're right. You're right. I think I think the main thing here with with Springer keeping that spot and Brantley not taking it is tenure, and that's really all it is. I think. Although, yeah, I think that's a huge it, part of it. Otherwise, it would be Brantley because I mean, all right. So, granted, right? Altuve's now got an injury history. Correa's mm-hmm. got an injury history, and. Springer's got an injury. Yeah, history. but that said, Brantley's got an injury history. That's true yeah. too. And and Pat, maybe maybe you are right. Maybe maybe Brantley will see his fair share of that bats in the two hole. Right when one of them gets a day off, right. So, you know, he's not going to exclusively bat five. Well, I mean, like my thinking is, all right. So fine. So you go Springer, Brantley, Altuve, Bregman, Correa. Yeah, maybe. Springer, then, Brantley, Springer, Brantley, Altuve. Altuve. Bregman, and you put Correa at five? Yeah. I mean, look, that's what I would do. I mean, I like that lineup a lot better, and it splits them up. And who wouldn't want friggin' Brantley at the top of a lineup? Like, sure. the quintessential leadoff hitter. Yeah, I mean, um, maybe, maybe I'm being, uh, maybe I'm being too, too stuck in, too stuck in my ways. So but, maybe, but you, maybe, maybe look, they, they've been successful. So, like. Yeah, I mean, but at the end of the day, I mean, like, two and five, you know, like. Yeah, I like that's what you're I'm losing saying, right? some I, of the volume, but you're but you're going to gain the RBI opportunities. Yeah. Uh, that's the one thing about run production is is that it kind of it, it can it can tend to be six in one hand, a half dozen in the other. Yeah, like I think at the end of the day, right, he'll probably end up like between 155 and 165 runs in RBI. All right, I, like I have, whichever way you split it, which is two, great. Two quick questions, real quick. One is there. Any difference between Cleveland and Houston, uh, dimension-wise? There's a ton of difference. And, and for Brantley, is there? Not. I don't think it's. No, probably not. On the left side. That's my point. Yeah. Like so, <laughs> the left side. There's. There's not. I actually think Cleveland might be a little more favorable from the left side. It might. It might be. Okay. I, I don't know off the top of my head. And second question is, um, lineup. Do you think it's upgrade at all, or downgrade, or pretty much the same? It's probably longer, but I don't know. It's it's hard to if he's hitting to... if he's hitting two. There's no difference. You know, like if well, it's kind of tough to place it in context. Yeah, Joe's right. Yeah, right. Like it's. I, I think I think Pat. I think you were on something, right? I think him being five in Houston is probably better for him than being five in Cleveland, even last year. But two. It's, it's probably a, yeah, probably a wash. So, what do yeah. we think that what do we think the RBI totals will be? Um, projected at five, let's just say for the entire. I year. just think eighty eighty is like the way to go, okay. and whichever way it ends up working out is probably yeah. I would say about a hundred. I'm actually one sixty five. You can put me at. I would go sure. a little higher. And are we are we would just we're all project projecting just over fifteen home runs, just under fifteen steals, three hundred average. Same I have year. him at like seventeen ten. I've met fourteen two ninety five. Yeah, that's a little boring, but I've fourteen eleven three hundred. The ca- you, so you're drafting him for the counting and the average is really nice. And the, the average the, is great though here. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, 
absolutely great. Yeah. And it's like something that that probably from here on out you're you'd be very hard pressed to get with all of this. He's a good guy to draft at the gallo. Yes. yes. And Absolutely. let's just and and before we do our sign off, let's just point out last year this was a guy that had played hadn't played in 2 years and nobody wanted. I thought he was done. Everybody I'm thought guilty. a lot of people thought he was done. Yep. Um so let that be a lesson for next oh, week's okay. show when they we do outfield part yeah. 2 when we're talking about a guy like Adam Eaton. I'm just I'm just saying we don't know as much about injuries as we think we do. We don't know as much about playing time as we think we do. In general. Yes. Okay. That will finally wrap us up. What this is this? was approximately three hours? three hours. I think it's over oh, three boy. hours. Um thanks so much for listening and hanging out with us, guys. Uh, Joe, Nick, let them know where they can find you on Twitter. At Joe FWO. Uh, you can find me at the real Nick Liggs. Check out all my tweets. They're really interesting. Spell that out. The real Nick L-I-G-Z. Don't be offended when you look at my Twitter. It should, be, it should be the banished Nick Liggs. <laughs> yeah. They made me change my handle. Someone, like, ah, man. <laughs> All right, and you can find me at Patrick FWO. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll be back next week in some form. Peace, Peace. out.